Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Because I know the way I was brought up, you tend to the elderly. You don't harm the elderly. And, th- and that's how it was for us, too. Like, no matter how many of us was in, a, in the lobby, is it open? It's, there's a couple of people coming back from the store. Just let me... Mm-hmm. You know, when, when old people come through, help them with their bags... Stop cursing. You know what I'm saying? Stop, Stop cursing. cursing. Clear it out. Blow Yo, the, put out put the, the blunt. Smoke, put the blunt away. Put the blunt out. Exactly. You know what I mean? It was behind your back. It's all out the window now. Help them with their shopping bags. Nah, Don't let them it, carry it, nothing it's, heavy. It's only over because we out of practice of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think during the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, enough fathers and OGs were snatched up off the street that all you was left with was kids being raised by either, you know, women that wasn't in a good state, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or not seeing things. And well, I know, at, like, at some point, kids were being raised by kids. Yeah, you that's know? another thing. It's mm-hmm. another thing. So, you know, we, we just gotta, we gotta promote that shit more. Yeah, shit, or you was raised by your friend's parents. Shit, I had many friends that had to come stay over, sleep over, look at my parents as oh, they Oh, my parents. crib was the halfway yeah. house, bro. Yeah. And, Yo, what happened? Mm-hmm. Who kicked you out? Oh, you had a fight with your step Yeah, yeah. Come crash over here. here. You need... Oh, you got right. beef in your neighborhood? Who crash over here? Mm-hmm. Everybody loved my mom's pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, they just be like, yo, what's up? And yo, mm-hmm. your mom's, she, she in New York? Mm-hmm. She, she making the pancakes this yeah. morning? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody loved my mom's pancakes. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, so a famous joke. thing. Because she fed joke. the whole neighborhood. Word. My friends got a joke from when one day, it's, it's him, We they slept over, he slept over. I remember we drank all the Kool-Aid, we ate all the waffles. Red comes in like late from a party or something. We kind of sleep, but we can hear him. And he like, he drunk all the juice, all this, no juice, everything going. And it's like, I remember like, damn, we gonna get in trouble tomorrow, but fuck it, you know what I mean? Like, what can we do? I ain't say, I wasn't saying fuck it at that age, but at the same time, I remember man, like that those damn moments. juice, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> drunk all the juice, like, you, you know sounded I mean? like him just now. <laughs> like dead ass. I was looking down and mm-hmm. I hear your voice, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's, it's WBLS. Yeah. Hey, just waiting for you to go, Ella Poo Poo. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like him, just like, that was crazy. I remember it vividly. 
So that's a fact. All right, we back. My expert opinion, the fastest growing podcast in the world, in the world, in the world. We lit. Um, shout out to all the subscribers. If you're watching this for the first time, hit that like, hit that share. Let everybody know you in here. Don't cost you no paper unless you's a mother hater. Everybody else, thank you. I feel blessed to be in this position. I think we are the only podcast in the top 10 that is not under network. What? Just us. Just us. So shout out to you because you made it possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep sharing the videos. Keep, you know, putting your friends on. We appreciate all of the love and we're still trying to figure out a way to celebrate half a million subscribers. We're going to figure it out, though, and you're going to love it. Mac, what's good? Salute, King. Heineken. I think the best way to celebrate, they want us to go on a quick tour. Get ready to bleep. No, just a quick oh. tour. That's it. <laughs> just no a quick bleeping. tour. I've heard that, too. Yeah. yeah like, I've heard that, too. There's at least seven cities they want us in. Seven? Which, yeah. That's right. a quick tour. Yeah. All right, what are we talking Philly, Detroit, Houston, Philly, Detroit, Atlanta. Houston, Houston for sure. Shout out to Houston, Miami, L.A., D- DMV, the whole the DMV, DMV Virginia, is with, yeah. yeah, London, London, you can't forget yeah. London, and Jamaica, and, and Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> and Toronto. <laughs> it's, it's just gonna keep going. Yeah, so. It's just gonna keep going. We ain't never coming. But home. shout out to all of y'all. Facts, yeah. So, so we worked <laughs> that out. We'll be on tour right. for like two years. Hey, like. If there's a promoter. And wants to figure this out, just make it make sense. Yeah, just like, we'll, we'll figure it out. And we'll come home, we'll the kids be grown. Ah, <laughs> uh, Chas, what up? KK47, Sean Bigger, man of God. A few words. I know you're gonna be talking this episode. Oh yeah, he ready. I know you're gonna be talking this episode. He ready. Now, before I take it, look, there would be. Strong possibility there wouldn't be mixtapes. There wouldn't be a lot of your favorite DJs if not for this man. If not for him ushering a new sound, a new era, and playing the dirty, dirty reggae mixes. <laughs> Yo, our favorite bum <laughs> and we know he ain't a bum you know he's been doing this thing for a long time but favorite <laughs> bum dj red alert is in a big <laughs> the legend the pioneer what's good everybody what's good and this is mims don't forget the dollar sign you heard dollar sign mims you know he's in the building with him if you don't know yet <laughs> they're related <laughs> they're related but he's a great artist stay tuned Ah, uh, where do we start? I mean, my, my, man, the beginning. The beginning, <laughs> the actual beginning. Do we start before Cool Herc? No, cool no, Herc? no, 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 no. You know your West Indian question mm. lands right back again. Well, it could be it the is. beginning. Yeah, it That is. could be the beginning. That could be the beginning. I, I, I'll let y'all two start that West all right, Indian all right, question. All right. Or bigger. <laughs> let big he's the one that's let him start it. Y'all go ahead. Man, no, no. Ask that West Indian question about who started hip hop. Come on, bigger. <laughs> Let's rock out. <laughs> you just let the whole question out. 
All right. It, it, this, this is something we debated yes. uh, a couple of times because a lot of the pioneers of hip-hop and the people who ushered it in were West Indian. So can West Indians take credit for hip-hop? Yes and no. Okay. Why is that? Because if you were to say that West Indians started hip-hop, you would consider that it was starting in the grounds where they live, where they come from. Mm. But West Indians came to the States. Right. And they came to the States. They, form, they formulated a sound and made it become known as hip-hop. Right. Because back where they from, either it was reggae, soca, calypso, calypso. reggae. Mm-hmm. Now, did they start hip-hop in them grounds? No. But they came to the States yeah. to be a part of the sounds. All right. So that settles that. Yeah. Uh, that's kind I don't like, hear that debate no more. That could be like any immigrant that came and whatever they took from their culture, it became morphed into something else, whereas look, 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 what look, the original gangs look, were. Let's just close it all and say it's African. <laughs> Leave it alone, okay? Well, right, they always say the sounds of the drum as a pattern. Mm. And, you know, everybody was split off in all different spectrums across the board. Right. You know? But um, I always learned that in Jamaica, they was calling it toasting and dubbing. Mm. Now, it sounds crazy, but the person who you call a DJ over there was really the person that we call an MC. See, right. right. The person who was on the turntables was known as the selector. Mm. Yeah. We love selector. So that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Right. So now here it is. The young man that come from Kingston, Jamaica, came over, staying in the States, and here it is. He started vibing, seeing what was going on around him, and got an idea mm-hmm. to recreate in his own formality. Mm. And that's what it is. That's why I started here in the States, not over there. Right. But... Appropriation. Appropriation. Yo, Ghost is hilarious. I can't even call you a bum. What what, what were those times like? Like, okay, we're talking about uh, late late 70s. Late 70s. Um, At that time, I was out of high school. I started working. Where Where were you working at? Oh, I had multiple jobs. I was a messenger. I work in the garment district. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to 80, I heard, had my firstborn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm still working, but then when you got laid off, you were trying to find ways to make, make it happen. I used to go up to Hunts Point and work at the, up, up there and unload trucks, mm-hmm. you know, until um, somebody hooked me up up there, and there was a company called Crasdale. And that's when I was going ahead and I was on the forklift. Mm. And, you know, that's where, you know, you're picking up all the groceries for different stores they've been shipped to. So I always kept on moving around doing that. No, but um, that was what I was doing. But at the same time that was going on... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was taking time practicing on my own because I started in mid-70s after watching everybody before me. Mm-hmm. And I saved up my money. Even though I was down in um, the garment district, I saved up my money, bought my own set, payday going around the corner from 35th Street, go to t- two record stores. One was called Disco Mat. Disco the, Mat. And the other one was called Rock and Soul. Rock and Soul. And I was buying all the records. How and, much did, did it cost back then? Oh, man. We talking about a 12-inch record was costing like 2 two or three ninety nine. Wow. You no, know, it was LP, six ninety nine. You know, mm. and I was just grabbing up everything. Well, how much did the equipment cost? When I got my first set of turntables... It was um, it was Technics 1800s quartz. Mm. They was, I think they was 139 a piece. Mm, nah, yeah. 139 dollars. And um, by the time I got my first set of 1200s, that's a step up. They was like 250 a piece. Yeah. Who made you want to do it? You said you you watch people yeah. around you. And it made you want to get busy. See, I went to school up in the Bronx. I went to D. Clinton High School. I went up there during the time it was all boys, mm. during the gang era. Mm. And um, while I was up there, you know, two train stops away from there, you had Lehman High School, Lehman College. I'm giving yeah, you Lehman, yeah. Lehman College. And right next to Lehman College, you had Walton High School, where it was all girls. So you know why we were over there. <laughs> My man, but, pots and pants. But meanwhile, going to Lehman College, you know, you coming from high school, you going to Lehman College, you think you with the big boys. Mm. So we used to go hang out in the lunchroom, and that's when I saw somebody had a set on top of the long lunchroom table. And it was some turntables, and it was like a thing. I have no idea what it was until later on, like a mic mixer yeah. that was hooked up to the turntables. And I saw behind him, he had like crates of records. And I'm hearing him playing music. At that time, he was playing like disco, R&B, mm-hmm. you know, um, sounds like that, dance music. Mm-hmm. And then they encouraged me to sneak on downtown. I was, I'm not supposed to be down there, right. but I was sneaking down there wearing my brother's clothes. Remember when 42nd Street used to get the fake ID? Yeah, facts. It was lit. Even though... The Kung Fu, it was Kung Fu movie theaters and Triple right. X everything. And depending on yeah. our case, you get the fake IDs. Mm. And I call myself trying to get in, but you know, they knew about the fake IDs. Mm-hmm. But they started letting me in, but they used to always say... How old are you at this time? 19. 19, okay. And they were saying, um, we're going to let you in. Don't go by the bar. Don't go over here. Don't go mm-hmm. over there. Don't do this. Don't do that. But they noticed when I came in, I ain't go no further than... The DJ. Standing in front of the DJ. So I just stand in and I watch. At that time, when I was watching the DJ, you had Pete DJ Jones. He had Grandmaster Flowers. Flowers, yeah. You had... Clark, Clark brought him up. Uh, what were they DJing? Um, DJ Plummer. What were they playing? Huh? What were they playing? They were playing disco and R&B yeah. at that time. Disco, R&B, and dance. Um, you had the very first female DJ I saw with Pete DJ Jones named Becky DJ Jones. Um, and I'm just amazed and watching what they're doing. So afterwards, you know, I was coming down. They scrutinized me again, but they saw that I ain't go nowhere but the DJ. Mm-hmm. Until they saw, okay, go on in, go ahead, go ahead. So 
So after a while, they was, yo, and he, then before you know it, they so I kept standing there. They went and got me a seat. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they went and got me a seat. As he got me a seat, they said, "Yo, right. man, sit down, man. Sit down, man. You know, <laughs> because they saw that I just did it. And then right. afterwards, they come to me and they say, "You want a drink?" I said, "I don't want to drink, but I was getting free soda." Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I was looking, checking out, you know, and then going to different clubs down in Midtown. But during the time I was in high school, I kept hearing about this person up in the Bronx named Herc, Herc, Herc. Mm-hmm. So that's when I took it upon myself with a, a bunch of guys from my neighborhood and went to check out Cool Herc. Cool Herc. And that's when I went to see him. And I was amazed because, you know, when you had to go downtown, you had even though you was a certain age, I was sneaking in, but you had to wear a certain attire, you know, dress mm-hmm. and everything. Right. Where I went, you could be as you are, regular, you know, and they had all ages. They ain't like dispute nobody. Even though there's some people that's decked out these corner fly girls or the fly guys. Mm-hmm. And when I went in with the fellas, they stopped to be all amongst everybody that's dancing. I want to go all the way to the back, and I see this tall, sturdy guy. And he was around the same set, similar that remind me of what I saw at Neiman College. And I saw him playing. And when I saw what he was playing, and I'm listening to what he was playing, some similar to what I was hearing downtown, but more obscure sounds. Mm -hmm. Now, I was like, yo, this sounds good. It sounds funky. It sounds Is he creating sounds? Huh? Is he creating sounds, or he's just... No, it was like... Or he's manipulating them. He was, um... Playing the break. Certain songs he was playing, he was saying playing a certain portion of the songs. Mm-hmm. And he would go from one turntable to another. Mind you, he wasn't really accurate on the turntables, but he kept on playing the breaks of certain songs from one to another. While he was doing that, it was times he was getting on a microphone and reciting a couple of things. If he's not reciting, he had somebody else reciting. Mm-hmm. And now when it came to like some of the songs that I'm he playing, that you know, they was called not breakbeats at the time, they were calling the get down, the get down mm. part. And you see that the crowd on the side, they all circling around. I'm like, what's going on with there? You know, I ain't know what's happening. That's when I saw people was getting on the dance floor and doing some footwork. Yeah. And I like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, you know? Breaking. I'm so used to being downtown seeing people doing the hustle. Right. They are they doing some other type of stuff. Right. But I was amazed at the whole scene. So that's what I was doing. Like on a Thursday, Friday, Thursday or Friday after work affair, I would go downtown. But on a Saturday, I would be up in the Bronx. So, so where, I learned the variations. So, so, what, so now you got your set. Uh-huh. You were standing by the, by the DJ booth, taking notes. Watching. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Watching. What was it like when you got your set? How long were you in the crib just trying to get it right? One thing that that was um, I did, nobody taught me how to play. Mm-hmm. I taught myself because when I was in school, I took up music. I learned how to read and write music. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to segue the sounds, different notes and everything. And then when I saw how he playing, I didn't understand that he had something to his ear because he had this thing... Some of them had a little plug with like a telephone. Mm-hmm. They plug in, you know, before there was headphones. They had like a telephone. Or they may have this one speaker to it where they got hold it and listen. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. So when, before I got my first set, I had a regular stereo 
And what I did, I played my record, but I had volume all the way down. I was taking my ear and going to listen to the speak to, um, to the record on yeah. the, the needle on it, and I was hearing certain things. I would hold it. So by the time now, when I got my set and I got my first mixer, I learned how to use that mixer, and that was for the cue. Can you imagine like now that you got rather, Serato. It's the dedication. It's the dedication. Mm-hmm. It's the dedication, like bro. You can hear it, like when the needle's spinning a record. Right. You can hear it, like the. the because the I didn't have the proper equipment, but yeah. I'm trying to see what they're listening for. So I took it upon myself to listen to it, and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, and good thing I turned the speaker down. When did you get the confidence to say, all right, I've been practicing, now I gotta do this in front of a real crowd? What was that first experience like? Um, there used to be a program I was in while I was in high school. It was called the Upward Bound Program. Upward Bound Program, while you're spending your junior and senior year yeah. in high school, you're staying on campus, living on campus. So I was staying at Fordham University. Because you had five, you had Fordham, you had Columbia, you had LIU, Queens College, and Stony Brook. Stony so Brook. I was at the one in Fordham. And both my friend and I, we had our own stereo set. Now, that's another thing I know I skip over, but as we have our stereo set, and this is like mid-70s, Mm-hmm. early to mid-70s, here it is that um, we was always hooking up the turntable one into phono and the other one into auxiliary. So now, we playing music. If one turntable, one record is going to the end and we playing the record without cue, we click from phono to auxiliary. They keep it going. Right. And before you know, everybody was hanging out in our dorm. <laughs> Because we had all the music, and everybody saw we jamming. And they so never stopped. <laughs> they won't stop, you yeah. know. Of course, you got in trouble for it because, you know, a curfew, but we still jamming. Right. Until they took it upon and asked me, well, can you do it in the cafeteria? We have a party. And that's what I did. I did in the cafeteria for the university. Wow. And that was my first time doing it for a crowd. Wait, that was, wasn't that the first place you saw it? No, no. Uh-uh. No, that was at the other. no. Um, no, no. Like I say, I went to Lehman College right. to see it, right. but I was in this program at Fordham, Fordham University. Doing it. Right. So from what I saw in Lehman College, and I'm in this program, and getting the idea of hooking up two sets together and putting the two turntables, of course I ain't had no mixer, right. but what was the next thing you trying to do? You're clicking from one to Click the other. other. Is that right. blending? Is that, were you, is that blending? I wasn't blending. I was just playing a record. It was electrophonic. You know what electrophonic I mean, was. It sounds like blending. It sounds <laughs> like early blending. Well, it does right. sound a little bit. I thought I was assuming that's blending. I yeah. thought you were blending. No, you know. You know what it sounds like to me? He's you just, just making a playlist. Put it this way. What is it? A record is playing, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So when the record is dying down, you try to make sure that you put the, the next song. on, you're clicking over to the next record. Right. That's what I did. That's early blending, Red. You saw that blending. You just don't want to take credit for it. I mean, to me, that's blending. I'm not supposed to be on time. I right. said, you do the same thing. You were blending great, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like blending to me. It sounds like so, my Tonka truck, my first no, blending. Well, like, I'm saying the first time you played publicly, 
was was there in the, in cafeteria, the cafeteria. But the first the time you saw someone was at Neiman College in the cafeteria. In the cafeteria. Both of these instances wow. were in colleges. Were at colleges. Mm -hmm. at wow. And in the cafeteria. I'm still and not the past cafeteria. the fact that somebody had a full set. In the cafeteria or on the table, like I, I still yeah. never made it past that. Uh huh. What? D who? Who was that DJ? Did you ever get his name? To this day, I don't know who he was. Wow. But I was fascinated by what I saw. DJ inspiration. Mike <laughs> 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 Jack. inspiration. DJ yeah. lunchroom. Okay, so now you playing. So so here it is. I'm playing, and by the time I get my own set, come home from work, buying records. And I just practicing, practicing. Uh, now, are you already DJ Red Alert, or did well, the just, name come just later? Just DJ Red. DJ Red. All right, Red. Cool. So now here it is by playing, and I learned how to blend holding the records to bring one record into another. And like I say, by me learning music, you learn how to pattern, how to blend accommodating from one song to another by every eight bars, twelve. Uh, 16 bars, whatever it is, yeah. to bring it in. And that's what I took time doing. So now you're blending. Yes, that's blending. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's an order to it, bro. Whatever, Red. <laughs> Don't blend it when I hear blending. You was blending early. I for, so, so from there, you're at the college. Yes. Now. What's I, the campus like? Are you famous? No. Are no, you no, the, no. Nah, I wasn't famous, you know, they mm -hmm. just, all right, Red is DJ, you know. I mean, remember, I'm not doing the college, the, 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 um, what, the terms where, you know, the um, regular college time. Mm -hmm. It was during the summer. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It was all during the summertime, you doing that, you know, preparing for college. That's what I was doing. But this, you had to, I'm imagining people still were loving your party. They still had the summertime gyms is like uh, normally epic. Well, you put it this way. You have a host of a lot of dumb ones that not officially in college that coming from out of high school during their junior senior year, staying on college campus and we did for eight weeks through the whole summer. Mm -hmm. We were amongst each other. Mm -hmm. So we, we did a gathering. So mm -hmm. when you, one person is doing something, everybody joined together. So everybody knew who you were. They knew who I was. Red, I'm, okay, Red. <laughs> Red. But I wasn't popular. Not yet. They just knew, oh, Red is playing. With, with yeah. all due respect, I'm hearing a lot of toxic modesty <laughs> coming from this chair right here. Like, you don't want to take credit for... I, I already can see that you were the man on campus. You throwing summertime jams for kids who... It's summertime and you playing records... At the college. Like how big everybody were the crowds? Everybody knows the DJ. Yeah. Everybody knows, knows the, the DJ. Everybody knows the DJ. Let me see. During the time he was in the program, it must have been a couple hundred. Red! <laughs> nah, yeah, that's crazy. Red! That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know a couple of hundred people now. <laughs> not that like me. Right. Not, not at the same I never thought on. nothing of it from what you're saying. You blend in early. <laughs> you don't want to take credit. <laughs> right. You're the man on campus. You don't want to take credit. I'm seeing a theme and where this is going to be going. So what you trying to say? TTBS? That's that bullshit? And <laughs> <laughs> hey, just let me know now. I would never say that to a uh, founder. Uh, hey, no, but you I'm said it first. You. <laughs> you, said, you said it first. So like I say, mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> by me taking time doing that, by the time I'm coming out from that program, here it is, I started working. Mm. As I'm working... I save up my money, buy my own set. 
So now I'm stepping up from what we was doing on a regular stereo equipment to having my own set. So I'm practicing. As I'm practicing, I'm also taking time making tapes. Mm. As I'm taking time making tapes, here it is, who was coming by all the time to see me was my cousin. My cousin would come in time, he checked me out, what you doing, such and such a thing. Yo, can I learn? I taught him the basics. All during this time, now here come the rise after the first person I saw that was doing the um, thing, quote unquote, part of the culture. Mm -hmm. The next wave coming. The first person I'm talking about is Cool Work. Normally, Coke Lorac. Here got the next wave after Cool Work. You got Flash. You got Mario. You got AJ. Mario. People don't talk about Mario. Um, you got AJ. You got the L Brothers featuring Theodore was the youngest. You got um, my man Smokey. It was all everybody up in the Bronx. Because I was even though I'm from Harlem. I was staying up hanging in the Bronx all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm fascinated in watching everybody, and when you know you, you get a thrill seeing everybody, you come home and you practice. Meanwhile, my cousin come. Now at that time, the family, my cousin, aunts, everybody, they used to live up on 151st in Amsterdam. Right. They moved from there and moved to the Bronx. Meanwhile, as I taught my cousin, and he got to lay down, he saved his money and my aunt helped him out to get his own equipment. Then he started making friends up in the Bronx. He, he moved the Bronx River. Right. Mm -hmm. The word got out about him. The first person that took interest about him was Mario. When the person got interest in taking him in, he started playing for him. He wasn't paying him, but he was getting exposure. exposure mm -hmm. right. Meanwhile, Africa Bambada who from Bronx River is hearing so much about who this guy over there in, uh, over there with Mario because you know Bambada and Mario was rivals, DJ rivals. Mm. Right. They say, well, that's the new kid that moving Bronx River. He said, what he's doing over there? He's supposed to be with us. So he brought him on. When he brought him on, my cousin kept speaking up for me. Mm. My cousin go by the name of the original DJ Jazzy J. Yeah. Oh. So here it is now, it's me and him with a host of others. We all under the behalf of Africa Bambada. Right. So that's how I got in more in affiliation of the culture. Mm. And that was 79. That was 79. But you were, you were playing parties and stuff at this time? I did a couple parties after I got off the campus that people hired me. Um, yeah, you know, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. A couple of little small. How, how, much, how much was that bringing in at the time? Huh? How much was that bringing in at the time? Oh, I was probably getting fifty dollars. Fifty dollars? Yeah. Was know. making tapes normal? Um, was that a regular thing that everybody did? No, it wasn't. Making tapes, what I used to do, I wasn't selling them, but I was playing them. I would make tapes, and uh, I used to do. It used to be the spot on 123rd Street between Seventh and Lennox that used to be called the Chiba House. Everybody mm -hmm. buy the Chiba. Mm -hmm. I used to go with the boombox and go up there and, and play my. My tapes, everybody hearing me, such and such. That's how I wound up getting a couple, do a couple parties. Mm. But you didn't sell the tapes, you just I ain't sell the tapes. Audition. I let people hear me play. They say, "Yo, once you do my party." Why you ain't sell the tapes? Huh? Why, why didn't you want to sell the because tapes? Because yeah, I felt it belonged to me. It's my shit. 
I didn't think about selling it. I felt like, yo, you doing <laughs> my shit. And if I'm drawing you to me and you have interest to book me, I'm keeping my tapes. Right. Because what, what they going to no, do? They're going to they gonna buy the tape and play it at the party. Yeah. 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 Instead of booking no the DJ. Got you. <laughs> Got you. A DJ would have stole your shit and just played the. <laughs> right. And ooh, that's okay. A, so you started wow. started off started blending. Yeah. Pioneering mixtapes. Pioneering mixtapes. Then tell them didn't call it that then. <laughs> right. No. It was the man all summer on campus, and now now one of the founding fathers has asked to recruit you and your cousin directly to come be on his set. Right. Okay. And this so, is all in what two three years. Yeah. I started DJing in 76. Right, three years. Mm-hmm. This is 79 we're talking about. Yeah. 79 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I was also known because I used to always carry my little cassette deck. Mm-hmm. I used to record all the, as recorded the jams at that time, all mm-hmm. the parties. Right. And that's when I started selling tapes. Why? Because I started finding out that other crews was making money selling tapes. Tapes. So, even though I'm up in the Bronx, as I'm coming down, I had the tapes. So everybody or all the spots that they hustling at, I was getting tapes on. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, $15 for a 60 minute, $20 for a 90 minute. And that was in 79? What? 79, you, 80. That's well, like you, drug money. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot. Basically, what? On That's some hand to hand? years ago, there's 20 bucks. So what I used That's to do, $70 now in today's money. I saved money. up my money and bought extra cassette decks. So I would go ahead, play a cassette deck, hook it up the other two cassette decks to make copies. And mass produce. Right. Keep the master and make copies because they wanted the, the parties that they was hearing so much about up in the Bronx. He said, mm. keep the masters. So what I used to do, Make copies, used to buy a little case, put the tapes in, and walking around selling tapes. So is this the point where they are, those tapes that you got in the crib with the designs, with the stickers, are the design tapes out No, yet? they wasn't design tapes Okay, yet. okay. They, okay. they were just what I'm writing on there, you know? Mm-hmm. If there was something that was popping, yo, you got that tape? You got that tape? Were you Red Alert by now? Huh? Were you DJ Red Alert by yes, now? Yes, by that time. Okay, so when did the Red Alert... When did you incorporate Red Alert? When did I incorporate it? I incorporated later on when I got into the next level. Mm-hmm. But I ain't, but you talk about incorporating when you adapt in, in, in business or yeah. as, as in street form. Yeah, where did you get Red Alert from? You have Red. Yeah. What made you say Red Alert? I got that from playing ball. Playing ball? Yeah. Oh, you was nice. Ball? Jesus Christ. Huh? You was tell nice. Him, yeah, tell him, so tell you had a ratchet. Either you was story. nice or you was a hacker. Which one was it? <laughs> I was nice. <laughs> All right, cool. There it is. I was yeah, nice. Yeah. They were saying red alert because skinny, fast, aware. Nice. I, I play, I know that there's different, um, what they call it, different positions. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, was just, I was like the swing. The swing is like, between shooting small forward. Right. That's what I was at that time. Tell him who um, was your mentor in basketball, who you used to look up to and stuff. You used to oh, teach you. The mentor who I looked up to at that time was my older brother. My older brother just passed away. He's one of the first members under, under uh, Mr. Homebill Rucker. Mm. His name, they call him Ernesto. Hold on, say that again? Mr. Homebill Rucker. He, and he's one of the what? 
And my brother was one of the first members under Mr. Rucker. Him along with Bob McCullough, Fred Crawford, Bruce Ragan, the list is long. Yeah, wow. that's him. Also, my brother, he was one of the original members of the L.A. Boys. I don't know if you ever heard of the L.A. Boys. There used to be a crew up on Ninth Avenue called the L.A. Boys, Ninth Avenue crew. Mm -hmm. Him along with Bob McCullough used to stay in trouble. So, my grandmother couldn't handle him. Mr. Rucker encouraged to get both Bob McCullough and my brother and send them down to Lonenberg Institute, the same school that Earl Manigault went to, to finish. Mm. After they finished in there, they stayed down there and went to Benedict College. This is in Columbia, South Carolina. Right. So that's the guy who influenced me to start playing ball. You ever seen Earl play? Yeah. So are the stories true about the quarters in the backboard? That boy was different. That shit real? That's a, one of the craziest. Yeah. You heard about that shit, right, yeah. man? Yeah, taking the quarters. Quarters off the backboard, leaving the two guys that was known. It was him and John, Jumping Johnny, Johnny Green. Mm. Yeah, and Helicopter. Another guy named Helicopter. Yeah, where I, I lived at, I, there, was the, the, there was a building right next to the park. Yeah. That was a school. PS 156. The Rucker Park was where I came out for recess. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so I seen all that, and my brother is part of the, so I seen all the tournaments. I seen all of them. Was he really snatching quarters off the top of his <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, that boy was different. He was different. What's the craziest thing you've seen him do? Yeah, it's hard to say. So much shit I've seen him do. <laughs> Remember, I, I got to see him, I got to see Joe Hammond, I got to see Pee Wee. Pee Wee Helicopter, Kirkland. I mean, I've seen them all. During this time, mm. crack is hitting, right? Yeah. Excuse me? During, During this, this time, time crack this is about crack. But see, I seen these guys in the early 70s, before I got into DJing. Since he brought him up, or who was my influence, I playing right. ball. Right. And of course, you asked me where I got the name Red Alert from. Right. I, you say, you was coming to me about late 70s. You ain't asked about before then. <laughs> I go, I go. All right? I go. So now I'm talking about the early 70s. <laughs> being under my brother, influenced me. I played organized ball, played little high school ball, and then from there, one thing led to another. Right. And music took over. Music took music over. Took I got over. influenced by music. So the early 70s was basketball, late yes. 70s turned into music. Right. Red Alert popped up, was officially born in the late 70s. Right. As right. your DJ name. Now right. you're moving tapes. How much moving. money would you say you was generating at the time? Oh, tape? man. Let me see. According to whether tape was hot. Oh, man, listen here. I had the Cold Crush Battle. I had the official um, mix of the Kumo D that was hmm. in the MC contest when he went after Busy, Busy B. Busy B, what? you had that? Mm. And you were selling that tape? How much you was charging, bro? Oh, because it was a 90-minute tape, $20. $20. Yo, you moving more than the truck dealers, man. <laughs> all right, so how much, all right, can yeah, I ask, so how, how, how many tapes? How, much, how many tapes? Like, yeah, yeah, like how what's many? A what's a package for you, like a whole package? Um, it, a bad day may be two tapes. A good day may be near 10. Near 10. It depends on how often I was going to all the spots. Because, you know, when people's getting money out there, you know, you go to all the hustlers. Mm. Right. Or somebody driving pie. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yo, I'm going to need that tape. Such and such. Legend in two games like I'm Pee Wee So Kirkland. imagine after mm. a week, I made have a couple hundred. Yeah. Right. Back then. Yeah. Yeah. How come you're not considered one of the? This is just a round off question, but how come you're not considered one of the one of the top three? Like one, not top three, but one of the three founders. The, the founders are normally considered to be Herc, Bambada, and Flash. But you were you were before because Flash. here it is. They had they was figures of their own. Flash stand out. Herc stand out. Bam stand out. Various others stand out. There was an army of other DJs. I was on the band. My cousin Jazz was on the band. Grand, um, Grand Mixer DXT was on the band. Rest in Peace Wizkid was on the band. Uh, Africa Islam was on the band. We was all under him. He was the, the man. Right. The pinnacle. Okay. So that that's why, sense. you know, they look at them as the forefront. Right. That's what it was. At the time, why be in a DJ crew? Excuse me? What were the pluses of being in the crew? Being in the crew, well, you know, um, what I say about Bam, Bam was like this. If he liked what you was doing, he'd take you in. Didn't matter how many DJs it was, not how many, No, he was known for having 10 MCs. The original Soul Sonic Force. Right. 10 MCs. He just took you in. And I got in through my cousin. That's how he got everybody up. Did you avoid the gang? Affiliate? Huh? Did you manage to avoid the gang affiliations? Bam was not the no, black space. But you know, the gang died down at that time, but I avoided the gang while I was in Derrick Clinton High School because I was in the middle of the gang. It had like a dozen gangs in there. Yeah, the, the Savage Skull, the Savage, the, the, the Savage Nomads, the, Jack, the um, Seven Crown Memorials, the, um, the Spades, the, the Pearls, I mean, the Bachelors. I mean, it's an army of them. Right. So you imagine being an all-boy high school that ranged about 30-something, 3,800 people. Mm. But you know, at that time, gangs wasn't going after regular Joes. Gangs mm. was going against gangs. Gangs, that's it. Now, what they did, if they saw you was, quote-unquote, a sport figure in there, they looking out for you. Mm. They don't want you involved with none of that. But they was never going after... Robbing a regular civilian. Yeah, civilian and anything. There was gangs going against gangs. So you being a basketball player, they were just... And then also, I was cool with this guy who was on the football team. His name was Tiny Porter. Even though his name Tiny Porter, he's six foot eight. Big. Mm -hmm. And he took me under his wing. Especially Mm. when he came senior day. Because the senior day, they used to go after all the freshmen. Mm. And they were trying to get a hold of me. And he said, no, you can't touch him. They knew from there. Shout out to Tiny. Shout out to Tiny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shout out to Tiny. Shout out to Tiny. All right, but like Bigger was saying, crack is starting to move in. I start to practice more and more, getting more into what I'm doing. So now here it is. I was always the last man to get to play under BAM. Why? Because my cousin Jazzy became flashy into his own, skillful with the set. Right. Other people, Grand Mix of DXT, you know, Africa Islam, you know, host everybody. I wasn't skillful like that. I was more a blender. So sometimes I may be like the last person for the last 40 minutes of the night getting on. Right. Mm. But I still hunting there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, they making their name with that. 
All the tapes I was recording, I was making my name downtown selling tapes. Mm. So what was the environment like at that time? Oh, the environment was everybody partying. And, you know, there was a lot of fear for people felt about us as Zulu Nation at the time, you know. Um, but then, you know, you had other crews like for the, um, anybody that was going to all the flash parties, you had the Casanovas. And there was another crew called um, the Boston crew, the um, Boston Road crew, the nine crew from Claremont Projects. Um, there was some, a crew that was on the affiliation of AJ. So it was territorial, but he still respected each other. Right. That's what it was. What's the neighborhoods looking like with oh, cracks man. starting to hit? I mean, you gotta understand, drug infested, you know, Bronx, they used to call it the burned down Bronx, because everything was all mm, burnt down. Yeah. You know, that, that stuff. Put it this way, in some of the areas that you may have in Brooklyn and Queens, it looked like Hollywood compared to what the Bronx used to look like. I there were places in Brooklyn that looked just like that. Huh? I remember being real young and living across the street from a crack house on Quincy. Right. And at that time, there was a lot of abandoned buildings, a lot of boarded up joints. You would see the fires and the windows at night and all that. But you have some nice rocks throughout some of the parts of the city that have the brownstones and looking real laid out and fantastic. Right. They had none of that up in the Bronx. Mm. The whole Bronx was just tore up. The only thing that looked it right was the project. Jeez. And you managed Whoa. to keep you managed to keep on hip hop in the mix of all of this. I was I was a person that got along with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, you might as well say they gave me a pass because they know I'm from Harlem, but I learned to gel with everyone, mm -hmm. everywhere I went. Okay. That's so, what it so was. How did, okay, as, as the person who's playing last in the set, how did, how did Red Alert become the name that he became? Where, where, did, the, where did you start getting recognition? So tape? here it is. During the time while we up in the Bronx, and then here come the recording field come. First, you know, you see them flashing them, and they had Super Rapping, and they came with other records. Funky 4 Plus 1 had their record. Spoonie G had a record. No, this is, we talking 79. AJ had that record. AJ had that, AJ came a couple years later. Um, Curtis Blow came with, with um, Christmas rapping, 79, you know. So by the time Bam got involved with a man named Paul Whitley, and he had a record came out called Zulu Throwdown. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Bam had a whole army of us, but he divided us. So. He had a portion of the MCs on the side. He called them the Cosmic Crew. He had a portion uh, that me and Jazzy had perfected that was the Jazzy 3, turned out to become the Jazzy 5. And, you know, when he had the rest of them that was all part of his Soul Sonic Force. So the Cosmic Crew, they made a record called Zulu Throwdown that came out in 80. So now, in 81, Jazzy 5 came out with the record called Jazzy Sensation. In 82, he took three members of the Soul Sonic Force and came out with a record that changed the game, Planet Rock. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, as that's going on, we're not leaving from up in the Bronx. We, we call ourselves going places 
if we was going to Jersey, going to Long Island or Connecticut, <laughs> you know, you leaving out the neighborhood, you felt like you was doing something. Right. But now here we, we coming downtown, and we coming downtown to places called Negrills, Danceteria, you know, it was like saying hip hop meet punk rock. Mm. Because punk rock was coming out in the early, that time, new wave music, you know, right. with um, groups like Tom Tom Club, um, um, Devo, um, quite a few them type of groups, mm -hmm. and we was we was being around a whole different flair of people. Cause that's when D disco was dying down, but everybody started coming with their old. So now we start seeing weird looking people wearing spikes and mm -hmm. hairdos and all kind of stuff. Boots and all that. Yeah, man, nuts. Cowboy boots. Oh, forget it. You, you was dressing like that, Red? Keep it real, Hell man. Keep it real. <laughs> Never. Never. You ain't had the braids with the beads. Never. You ain't had none of that. None of that. Is Shirt Kings and all that stuff out yet? No, no. Like, that was, that was later on. That was later? That was later on. You ever mm. went back to that place where you were watching all the DJs play? You was talking about downtown and the security. Did you ever play there? Huh? You ever went back to to play in that club that was letting you No, in. I never played none of them clubs recorded at that time. You never said, hey, I'm bringing this element called hip hop, I'm DJ Cool Red Alert. It was not being respected at all. At all. It was not being respected. They at did all. not accept that. Mm. They, here is a club that used to be up in the Bronx called 371. Mm -hmm. 371 was like an element similar to like the downtown scene. Gotcha. Where you had to be dressed a certain way. You know, a certain age and everything. If anybody come with any elements in the Bronx as far as hip hop, get that b-boy shit out of here. We don't do none of that. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to accept that. Why? At all, huh? Why? Because they felt that you know that degraded them at that time. Hip hop. Anybody that was in that whole different range of being dressed up, articulate, working class audience, such as us. They look at hip hop like, eh, hey, real piece of shit outside. Did they? They, they, they didn't look at it as real music, right? They no, they didn't look at kind it. Kind of like drill music. Yeah, a bunch of noise. Bunch of yeah, noise. Yeah, bunch of noise. Yeah. Like that. I remember fighting scene. that fight. Yeah. I remember hearing my brothers talk about. Yeah, stuff they like didn't that. accept that. No, no. And then it really get accepted to later on to like with Will Smith. Mm -hmm. Will Smith actually, you know, Made it cool. we talking about just what? Don't understand. Yeah, parents That's just about don't ten understand. years. Truly broke. Big the first yeah, one because to get it the mainstream. Yeah, as yeah. it went mainstream, start being accepted. But records from before, even though you may like, you may care for some of the records, like Pan Rock, it was a game changer. Right. It got it reached more into the dance music world because you remember that was what is called electro funk, and there was a lot of records that came out similar sounds to Planet Rock, like. Shannon, let the music play, give me the night. Um, a group called Freeze, A E I O U, Pop Goes My Love, and wow. many others yes. similar to that. So you so, was rocking all that? Rocking all that. And you ain't had no bedazzle shades? My man. Yeah, had no shades, man. You ain't had no shades. <laughs> Not MMD, nigga, no do. None of that. <laughs> no, no. The only thing I was known for was the big red apple. That's what I was big known for. Big red apple. That's, That's what I was known for. All right, cool, cool, cool. And, and always had on just like you know, warm up suits, you know, jeans, sneakers, you know. That's mm -hmm. it.
So the, this is still before BDP. Huh? It's still, before, still BDP. before BDP. Way, way before, before that. Way before. Yeah, exactly. way All right, before so Rappers that. Delight. That's a legend. Though. Where were you when you heard that the first time? First time I heard Rappers Delight, there used to be a spot that is um, a landmark in Harlem on 138th Street off of 7th Avenue. It used to be called the Renaissance. Mm. Shut down. I think yeah. they closed it out. Um, there was a man, rest in peace, named Willie Gums, along with my man Dickie, rest in peace. They used to have a thing called the Rolls Royce Movement. And during the time when the rise of hip-hop was going on, they had parties in there during the week. Right. From 7 to 11 for just a dollar. They say, yo, all you need a dollar to come in and do the freak dance, because that's when the freak dance was out during that time. Right. And they was having the DJs at that time who they had was, rest in peace, Donald D., B-Fat's brother, right. um, Lovebug Starsky, mm-hmm. um, and various other. It was a crew called the Sapphire Crew that B-Fat's and Donald D. would come from. Mm-hmm. They came out of Drew Hammer team. So they had, one time, they had Shout us as guests in there. Right. Bam played. So while we in there, out of nowhere, and I'll never forget, because Power was on the mic and a couple of us, Bam played this record, and we started hearing some rapping on it. We like, what the hell is that? And we look at Pow Wow, and Pow Wow went like this. It's not me. <laughs> it's the record. Wow. That's the first time I heard Rapper's Delight. Wow. And, and what was, was the response? Did everybody just stop? Like, Yeah, everybody just stared. And, and, you know, staring at each other and hearing it, like, oh, shit. First time I ever heard it. Hip, hop, heavy. So from there, was it like, off of that record, did you guys start calling it hip hop? What were you? What was it at that time? We didn't never call it hip hop. The media called it hip hop. Right. We was going to jams. We were going to other parties. We were going to the jams. The reason why the media called it hip hop because when they start hearing more of these records being made, they say, "What is this stuff we hear? This hippity hop, this beep hop? You are doing that hip hop?" Then they coined the phrase hip hop. Hip hop. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's so weird. But it was called the jam. <laughs> we were just saying we were going to the jams. Mm-hmm. So were they were they rappers? No. What we, did you call them? We called we called the rappers MC. MCs. MCs. MCs, right. you know? Because they accommodating the DJs. Mm-hmm. Master ceremonies. When did you when did when did the transition happen from street red alert selling the tapes into red alert the artist making records? With rappers. Well, that's where I was going with that before, mm-hmm. you know, the interception come in. He okay. said the interception. <laughs> Here it is. When I was saying we was going from one club to another, from the grills, the dance to now to the Roxy. By the time we got to the Roxy, and here was a guy in Africa Islam that was a part of us, him and I, while we was at the Roxy, we was on an independent radio station, WHBI 105.9. That's the place where Mr. Magic started at. Mm. And we used to come on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, 2 in the morning. And you had to pay for airtime. At that time, WHBI used to be in the basement of a tenement building up on 80 Riverside Drive, on 80th Street. It was in the basement. So, pay for airtime. Here it is. Islam got the promoter for the Roxy to pay for the airtime because he was always advertising about the Roxy. Right, right, right. So I'm hanging down there with him, and, you know, I was known for playing the tapes mm-hmm. from the jams, and he was playing, mixing certain things that he had did on the cassette. Mm-hmm. 
So now here the person have interest in coming to the Roxy from 98.7 Kiss FM. His name is Barry Mayo. I heard about him. That's a mm. legend. Barry Mayo came and he was seeing what was going on because at that time when we was in the Roxy on a Friday night, we used to average 3,500 people. Damn. 3,500 people of wow. all different cultures. Latin, Blacks, Hispanic, Orient, everybody. everybody. And we were playing a little bit of everything because one thing Bam taught us to be open-minded and play a little of everything. So we're not playing just hip-hop. We're mm. playing rock and roll. We're playing soul. We're playing disco. We're playing jazz. We're playing a little bit of everything because we got a diverse crowd in there. Right. You know? Barry Mayo kept hearing about it. He came down, stepped the band and said, we want to incorporate what you're doing along with us. At that time then, WBLS had picked up Mr. Magic in 82. Now I'm talking about 83 when Barry stepped to BAM and said, we want to incorporate that. So the first person they went after was Africa Islam. Africa Islam was the top guy at the time. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do it because he was going away with the um, Rocksteady crew after the success of the movie Wild Style. Mm. So the next person he went after was my cousin Jazzy. Jazzy did it for a couple months, mind you. They wasn't paying no money. None. None. And Jazzy did it for a couple months until he, he let it go. He said, nah, I don't want to do it. So they went to the band and said, who's the next person you have? And that's when they came to me. And that was October 83. Mm. Did you ask for money? No. No. Mm -mm. But what they did gave me exposure to make money. Right. Because now people are hearing you. So the same thing what I was doing when I was playing my tapes Moving in these tapes. spots, mm -hmm. people was hiring me. Mm. As they hear me on the radio, people is hiring me. Right. So for three months I was with no pay, but I was getting gigs. But right. the price went up. Huh? Your the gig price went up, though. Now, yeah, the price went up. Mm -hmm. Now by the time I got... That was October, November, December. The top of 84, now I'm getting paid. It was low, mm -hmm. but I was still getting some money. So what would you say? You, you were um, doing how many parties a, a month? Yeah, about maybe out of the, the whole month, about maybe two and a half weeks worth of you know, gigs. Two and a half worth. And you're charging how much? And I was charged at the time 300 And what year? 83. <laughs> Selling drugs. This guy's scraping. Word. That's the equivalent of today's the money. Dealers. Like, yeah, we got it. Like I about $1,000 in today's money? 1200 Yeah. We're doing that. So now it's time to get, now, now you see everybody else with rappers. You know what part I'm fast forwarding to. I'm trying to let the story breathe, but yeah, I'm so, I know I'm dragging it. I, I'm, I'm so no, no, no. interested. No, you're, you're not. not we need every detail. Every detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just, I, the, I know the part is coming where you start talking about violator and native tongues, but I want to, I want to work up to that. Right. I know, we, I know you want to mm -hmm. get to that. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I always did, because, as they know, I'm on the radio. A lot of companies is bringing me records, sending records to me. And I always take time to view them, I, you know, judge what sounds good. But mm -hmm. I ain't just play anything. 
Right. I always judge everything. Right. She was you know? A&R in two. Huh? She was yeah. A&R in yeah, two. Yeah, because I look at it this way. Your credibility is within your own about judging what is it to play. If you're playing bullshit, they be like, I ain't, this nigga playing some bullshit. I ain't. He turned it down. Right. Mind you, I was in competition with Mr. Magic. Mm. So I had to judge what sound good to keep people locked in. Right. But remember, when I first got on, they had me not just playing just straight hip hop. I was learning how to incorporate what they was having. Cause it used to be called the Kiss Master Mixes. At that time, they had Chef Pettibone, Junior Vasquez, I think Jelly Bean was doing a little bit, and Tony Humphrey. Mm-hmm. So now I got to learn how to, what I learned from Bam, playing in the rock scene, play a little bit of everything. So you may hear me play some R&B. Mm-hmm. You may hear me playing some other, I'm playing like David Bowie. Um, um, that's dance. I'm playing Madonna. I'm playing horn notes. I'm playing Rocket by Herbie Hancock. But also I'm affiliating it with some early rap records. And in between that, playing some break beats that we was playing. So I was learning how to mix everything in everything and blend it in together. Right. Now, did at that time, were people approaching you with the bag? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They approached me with the bag. And they used to say I was a stupid motherfucker because I didn't take it. Somebody, I was on the phone with somebody for two hours, and they praised you for that. And they said, that's... To this day, that's one of the reasons I don't do that shit. Mm. I was opposed many a times. I mean, it, it got so bad to ripping some if that the force became almost like a threat. You better take this money. Right. I ain't taking mm. shit. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be bought. Mm. No, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No. What's the most you turned down? Huh? What's the most they offered you? A couple you? thousand. Okay, that's I said, no, I'm not doing it. Mm. It's not worth it. Mm. Why should I ruin my reputation off of a couple thousand? No, sorry. I hope y'all are hearing that. And not only that, if you feel that you give me that couple, I accept that, now they feel they can handle you any way they want. That's what was happening to other DJs, right? They feel like, yo, you gonna play my shit. You know, they leaning on you. Right. They got mad because I said no. And they said, oh, you dumb, you stupid. What the fuck wrong with you? I, I, I said, I don't care. The records were trash, though, right? Like the- Some of them was good. What? But it's according, I judge what sound good to me. There was records I was already playing, and they still were trying to push something on me. I was like, I don't want it. You sure? I don't want it. Even just as a thank you for playing it on your I own? I didn't want it. I said, you want to pay me? You gave me to have an album release party, right? Hire me to put a party. Bam. Now I'm getting paid for my service. Right. I'm not getting paid to play a record. I'm getting paid for my service to DJ the party. Right. So they can oh, pay for, for your service. They can't pay for your, your taste, your, your yeah. integrity. So you're just a jukebox. Right. No, right. no, no. Right. Now, records is whack. Yeah, they go off try and force out of Or you're not going to play No. I, I'm happy to say that I encourage some people to go back to the drawing board and make a better record. Right. He, yo, arsonist, I hope you heard that. Heat makers. I hope you heard what he just said. Why, that, you, point, why are you saying the heat because, makers? Because when we first argued in this room, that was the exact same thing I said. He said I was mean for telling everybody they were whack when they were whack. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, if they're really good, 
they'll go back and get better. If they're supposed to be here, they'll take what I said, they'll go back, they'll improve, Damn, that they'll was like, come back. That's like 100 episodes ago. Uh, he just, I, I, I <laughs> he's waiting for that moment. I don't gr grudges, bro. You I got a co-sign. I got a co-sign. You got the co-sign on that, bro. I got it right here. Two guys up, that, that no longer here with us, mm -hmm. and I never forget <laughs> that it was different ways how they was approached. The first time this guy came to me about maybe four or five times. He came to me a record. I listened to it. Nah. He didn't argue. He went back. He came again, went back. Then he came with a record. And I said, okay, you got one. He ain't wait till years later. And we talking about late 80s, not till years later before his passing that he, we walking over there by Mount Morris Park and he said, yo, red man, thank you. I say, why? Because you kept me going back to make a better record. And once I learned how, what is the sound is, I learned to work with my DJ to continue that type of sound. Mm -hmm. Who was it? That was Guru. Wow. That was Guru. Rest in peace. Rest they in peace. They were another person. He was hot off his first record. And we were hanging in Latin quarters. And you know, you know they get happy and hyping all about mm -hmm. this something. Mm -hmm. So he being amongst everybody, and he's saying, yeah, I'm going to come out with my next record, and you go going to play. He's going to say it in front of everybody. I pull him to the side. I say, let me tell you something. You got a hit record, I got a job. You don't have no more hit records. I still got a job. <laughs> he wait till years later in Justin's, remember the Yeah, Justin's, yeah, yeah. And he saw, I saw him for the first time in a while because that's when he moved out west. Rest in peace, heavy D. Wow. Mm. I look at it this way. If you can't encourage them to do better and, and, and have that driving force to stay on top of your game, there's some of them that was on top of their game and then they lacked off. They fell off. And then when you know, they come to you about, yo, it's not hitting no more. I had a lot of them mad at me, but yo, I'm going to stick to my guns. Mm. Name of the game. Uh, well, who, who was somebody, aside from those people, that you said, yo, it's not hitting no more. And they came back with something crazy. Oh, man. Naughty by nature. Naughty by right. nature before they was known as New Style. Mm -hmm. A lot of people didn't know they was known as New Style. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. They came with me with some records that ain't not, not happening. Didn't care for it. They was mad. They was trying to lean on Mark the 45 King and lean on me. I said, not happening. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget the day when... Um, that's the time Jessica used to have that club down on 54th Street off of 10th Avenue, Red Zone. I'm walking out the Red Zone. I'm walking up to the avenue. I seen their manager, Pookie. He said, yo, man, I want you to listen to something. For the very first time, I heard OPP. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him. I said, you got one. I remember that. Awesome. So where, where does... Now you're cultivating this A&R life, basically, because people are stepping to you asking for your opinion. It's really counting for something. How do you decide that, that you're going to take it further, start getting into management, start putting these crews together? My nephew, Mike G., my sister's son, he used to always say to me, because he went to Mary Bertram High School, he'd say, yo, me and the fellas want to make a record. We want to make a record. 
I didn't take him serious in the beginning. Mike G, Jungle Brother. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mike G, Jungle Brother. I, I didn't take him serious because, you know, I didn't know which direction he was going. Later on, a guy by the name of Tony D used to be a DJ for a group called Bad Boys that had made the record Inspector Gadget. Mm-hmm. He said, yo, Red, you know, here it is. Um, I just built a studio in my house, so, you know, anybody you have interest, you may want to bring them on in. I said, okay, so that's when I went to another and I said, I said, y'all say you're on my record? Okay, let's go. And they came in there, first record they made, but even before then, going there, they went up to my cousin Jazzy because he had a studio. And they started something up there, but they never finished off. But then that's when I told them about Tony G. So they went out there, and one record they had called, called The Breaks, they ain't do nothing. But then here they came up with this concept as an idea off of my older brother. He used to always say this thing. He used to always say about a female, no disrespect. He always say about, yeah, you know, I'm going to see this chick. He's just, you know, my brother was known for different things. Number one, like you still see me doing the abbreviation, the acronyms, I got that from him. Right. Then he had these different type of sayings. Yeah, you know, I'm going to see this chizip tonight. You know, <laughs> when I see this chizip, you know, I'm make sure you get the Jim Brownski done. And make sure I get all... Not the Jim Brownski. So, my nephew... <laughs> so, my nephew Mike, remember that from the family. I was hearing Junie saying that. We call, right. we call my brother Junie. So, he got together with Africa and they made a record called Jim Brownski. <laughs> and that was the start off for the Jungle Brothers. Did, did they cut a check for your brother or no? Huh? Did they cut the check? Cut the check for their uncle? No, they ain't cut the check. Uh, that's great. Now, mind you, you asked me what led me towards Matt. Now, before that, I was in affiliation with a couple other people before that because when I was DJing, remember the Roxanne, Roxanne ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you know they came out with that, and then here it is that Marty got Shantae do it. So I'm hanging out in Russell Simmons' office. Russell Simmons was managing everybody at the time. He had Spider D as one of his artists. Spider came walking with a lady and said, yo, listen to this thing I just, I just made. Check it out. He listening to it. Oh, shit, this sounds right. Oh, yo, we got to jump on there. Yo, who, anybody signed? Yeah, Neil Records just signed the label, signed to the label. Okay, well, we got to start. So the young lady... She right there, she say, yo, this is going too quick because this is all new to her. She said, this is, uh, but yo, yo, how y'all getting me? To her? I don't even have a DJ yet. She turned around and looked at me, and Cut Creator was sitting right next to me, as mm. Cut Creator was already with LL. LL. Mm-hmm. She turned around and said, you want to be my DJ? I said, okay, that was Sparky D. Oh, wow. Mm. And that's when I started DJing for Sparky. And you know what was so clever that that was Sparky because not once ever in our lives we ever practiced. We always went spontaneous. She'd feel me out, I'd feel her out, and we just, I was on the road with her. So here with that, now afterwards that died down, here my man come to me, He's, he asked me for advice about music, the music business. So I told him, yeah, certain things that I knew. Mm-hmm. Here it is. He went ahead and made this record. 
and he wanted me to be a part of the crew. Rest in peace, Scott LaRock. So that's how I got an affiliation with Boogie Down Production. Here it is that before, once again, the management, I had some labels was coming to me about other certain things. I remember um, one Sparky got signed to another label called Plat Next Plateau. They came to me and say, you Red, nice meeting you. Any artists that you have interest that you can bring them on, bring them to us. So the group I found, I didn't find, but they found me and say they want to get signed to something. I listened to their material, sound good, was group um, Black Rock and Run. That's how I'm living. <laughs> I brought them over there. The next group after that, when they say they had a bad contract deal by handshake with a guy that was on um, 105.9, um, DNA along with Hank Love, they say, yo, Red, wow. we need you to get over here and help us out. So I brought them over to Next Plateau. That was ultramagnetic. Wow. So, so you know, I was hand in hand. But, but and you getting checks for the... I, they, each time I got them in, they gave me finder's fee. Right. How and much that, was the finder's fee? Finder's fee was like 8000 Also, I helped um, Poor Righteous Teachers because Poor Righteous had their own label. And they had their own label, and I was playing it. A guy from Profile Records named Manny came and he said, What is this record you keep playing? Mm -hmm. So I showed him, he contacted everything, and got them signed. Gave me find his feet. Awesome. Jeff Sites, too. Yeah, he's getting all the signs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Goodness so crazy. when you look at the development of DJing for artists, help uh, um, people get a deal. And now here it is within your own coming to you about doing records and get that established where you start to manage them, that's when you form your own self as a company. Right. Like production. And what year you quit your job? <clears throat> huh? What year did you quit your job? Because you said you was working these jobs. And... Yeah, I used to, now by the time after my son and working in, like I say, up there at Hunts Point, and then I went and got other jobs. Mm -hmm. I developed to start working with this company called Gibbs and Hill in Two Penn Plaza. And that was right across the street from uh, Madison Square Garden. But I also took up in school was drafting, learning how to, the idea of blueprints were you know. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I got that as an apprentice. So I was in there. I was in there for a couple of years. And still working with BAM until I got that shot for the radio. So after I got that shot in 83, in 84, they laid me off. So when they laid me off in 84, I said, and I still was still getting low pay, mm -hmm. but I said, let me give this a shot because I saw how I developed my name getting gigs. Right. So that's what I did. And from there, took off. Yeah. Red Alert, Red Alert, uh, what's the name of the management company? You said Red Alert. R-A-P, Red Alert Production. Where did Violators come from? Violators come, okay, by the time I was in Union Square, um, in 86, I had some guys that were Zulus coming from the Bronx coming down. So they come to the door and say, hey, yo, Bam sent us down here. 
knowing damn well Bam ain't send you down here. <laughs> but I got the understanding that you saw I was coming more and more into my own. So they looking at the next wave to come and join along with me. So I got them in. So as I got them in, there was a bunch of guys, and they always doing some dumb stuff. What was the dumb stuff? You know, taking people, girls, couldn't stand people from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh wow! Look hey, that. I'm being honest. Keep it <laughs> it's all good. And running down, yeah, yeah, I said, "Yo, man, you gotta stop this, man. Y'all violating." <laughs> and that's how that name came. Violating. <laughs> you violating, especially when it came to the girl because I saw him snatching girls from people out of guys' arms. I said, "Yo, man, you gotta stop violating, man," because I'm looking at. I just started in this club the first night. Mm-hmm. And y'all coming in just doing all the dumb stuff. Then you, then you started shouting it out all over the place. It became a thing. <laughs> now, now you're asking the beginning. I'm right. telling you the beginning. beginning. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning, right. Put the brakes on. Here it is. At first, it was Chris Lighty, we called him Baby Chris. It was a guy named Dad, we called him Sneaky D. And there was two or three other guys that was all part of them. Mm-hmm. So now here it is. They coming down, they doing the thing. Meanwhile, I got a couple other guys coming down from Brownsville. Yo, Bam sent us down. I said, come on in. <laughs> now, at that time, I don't know if y'all heard the history of how Union Square used to be. Yeah, well, <sighs> I heard. Nuts. Right. And they always challenging my fathers. So they always fighting. So... That's how they developed, their name got developed because they said, who are y'all fighting? These guys, they call themselves violators. All so right. the wait, name, wait, so before I even got to say something, their name was buzzing from fights. Okay, so re- rewind. The history of Union Square. What was going on down there? Union Square, where, you no, know, it was a hip-hop club that was down on 18th Street and Broadway, you know, right across from Union Square Park. And I was doing Fridays. And, you know, at the time in 86, you were playing all the hits. You know, we talking about the year that Eric B. Rakim came out. We talking about when Boogie Down Production came out. We talking about, here it is, that Dougie and Heavy already came out with their records. Mm-hmm. You know, we talking about the tail right. end of Run DMC right. uh, with Peter Piper. We talking about, here you got Salt and Pepper, you know. And then there was other various records, you know. I'm right along all in conjunction together. But Brooklyn was always doing the crazy stuff. You know what they do? Vic season. <laughs> yeah, you got the thumbs up. They got the thumbs up. <laughs> Part Vic, of the culture, pride, man. With pride, which say Part with pride. of the culture. It was Vic season. <laughs> Part of the yeah. And it was being challenged, and it was challenging people that's not from Brooklyn. It didn't even have to be just the Brown. It could be Harlem. It could be Queens. It could be anywhere out of but Brooklyn. Right. And that's how I used to be in there. So yeah, I'll do some therapy. So I, you, the, you saying a young Chris <laughs> Lighty was <laughs> in Union therapy. Square duking it up too? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow. The way he carried himself, you'd be like, it's always so, you know. No, he was that. He, he was getting that. No, he was about that life. But you, yeah, you, yeah. you molded him. <laughs> did look where, did you take? Can you take credit? I'm from not, 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 I'm going to tell you how that came about. Gotcha. So now here it is as. They are, and then from there, only, only seven months lasted in Union Square. Only seven months. 
Mm. Then from there, I went to Latin quarters, mm. and they went along with me. So now here it is. There was two different crews. Uh, I forgot the crew that was in uh, Brooklyn that was in there, but it's now it's a different crew that's in Latin quarters. And I heard most of them come from the project, the Pink House. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, well, yeah. yeah. What, what crew was it? Pink Houses, yeah. It Pink was Pink houses. House crew, right. yeah. you know, Dog Pig, you know, a couple of us. And um, I forgot the other ones that was in Brooklyn, I mean, in, Latin, in Union Square. So the fighting continues, you know? <laughs> now, at that time, by their name buzzing because they're fighting, and I'm shouting their names out. I'm always shouting, and then they start doing promos for me. Cause I was always known for having promos. People were shouting me out, and they'll read such and such, and so that's how their name started buzzing. Wow. Now, what led to later on, when the group came out, Jungle Brothers, and they started making records, and they started doing shows, they needed a road manager. The reason I appointed Chris Lighty to become the road manager because a lot of people didn't understand. He was arrogant and cocky, but he had a good head on his shoulder. Mm. Chris was a person that, while he was in Union Square, he was going to school, working as an electrician on Metro North. Mm. That's a lot of money. And hanging out. That's a lot of money. And throwing hands. And throwing it makes hands. sense, because his cousin <laughs> is about that life, A.B. I should have known. A.B., shout out to A.B. That's my guy. He did a lot of math. A, yeah, he about yeah. that. And he was, he was around that too. Yeah. yeah. I just thought Shout about that. So now here it is. I got him involved to start representing for the Jungle Brothers. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as I got to formulate my company, he was part of the company. Yeah. And then from there, he extended from there and got involved with Leroy Cohen's for Rush Management. Mm. But Violator, man, Violator then still. Then he formed. After that, he formed Violator Records first. Okay. From Violator Records, then he formed Violator Management. And then started having a big conglomerate right behind that. All right, we're jumping ahead a little too fast. It's an MC name, Shan. What about Shan? <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> Look at his face. He's like, he had a record right. called. Huh? The bridge. He had a record called The Bridge. Right, uh-huh. Yeah. Like that changed the world. Yeah, he was, you know, he was from yeah, Queens. Yeah, well, I know we skip over that, so let's go back to that. <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back to that. Let's now, go back to that. Now, one thing I can say. Uh-huh. Mr. Magic was my rival, and he always talking shit about me on the radio. Right. Forever. Right. Marty was producing all the hits. Right. I was never the type of person that because you're making hit records, I'm not going to play it. I'm going to play them. Yeah. Even though he ain't playing anything affiliated with me. But mm -hmm. I play all the records he produced. Right. Mm -hmm. If they hitting, they hitting. Right. So when The Bridge came out, I was playing The Bridge. Meanwhile, there was the dispute between Scott and Chris with Magic over some discrepancy. And they had a record that came out on Sleeping Bag Records. The record, the record got dropped. Mm -hmm. And here it is, an animosity with Magic. Well, you know Magic could have mouth. Right. They came across this label called Rock Candy Records. As they came across this record uh, label, they went into the studio for maybe $50 or less or more, I don't know, one take of making this record. 
How many Latin quarters the night that they brought it in there? Because that's when it used to be Celebrity Tuesdays with the um, Awesome Two. Right. And a DJ named Raul mm -hmm. in Latin quarters. You know, there used to be this hard plate they call acetate. You know, like, it's like, you know, um, it's real hard. You know, not, not like a regular vinyl. And you only get to play a couple times because it fades out. Wow. So they hand it to Raul. And while we put the needle on, and spontaneous, everybody loved it. It was South Bronx. Everybody going crazy, you know? And uh -huh. he even took it, before I got to it, and he said, yo, I'm gonna play from the beginning again. He played it, everybody going crazy. So after he finished playing it, here it is that he gave it back to Scott. Scott gave it to me, he said, this is for you to play on the radio. So now here it is, and I come on for the first time playing it. First I did, I playing to the bridge, to the, to the bridge. Yeah, yeah. But, but I slammed in when it came to the chorus to the bridge. South Bronx, South, <laughs> South Bronx. <laughs> so yeah, I instigate that. Yeah, you, you started the whole thing. <laughs> you started the whole thing. And, and, and my reason for that, because I know how they was coming at me. Right. Now oh. I got, and, and also Scott is putting me on with the crew. Right. I said, okay, I got a team to go after them. Bang. Just like him it is. When he came out with the Roxanne, Roxanne. I was playing on Shantae's records. Right. But every time I played Shantae's record, I came back with Sparky D. Mm. So it's almost the same thing. Right. Wow. Equal opportunity. Wow. So how, <laughs> how was that? When you met Chris and, and well, K, when you met KRS-One? Well, 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 Scott, I knew from a long time before. Yeah. You know, because we had something in common, playing Vaughn and everything. So he used to DJ up in the, uptown. And, uh, up in Harlem. Mm -hmm. And then when he always asked me about the business, so when he always said, I want you to be a part of this, part of this. And that's when I got to meet Scott, uh, Chris for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that's how that came about. When what you heard Chris, what did you think? Huh? Same question. Yeah. What was your impression of him when you met, when you heard him? Um, average, you know. I said, wow, yeah. really? Because, because I ain't hear him yet. Okay. Right. This is before I even got to elect it. Right. Got you. Got you know, you. I'm okay. like, yo, you also, man. Now, now hearing on this record for the first time, I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, this guy, this guy got it. Yeah. And then what really impressed me more when I heard the next record, The, the Bridge is Over, where they asked me to come to the studio and do my famous thing. Right. You know? And um, that's when, you know, I guess by me doing my, my famous phrase, made it official that I'm a part of the crew. That's what it was. It's the yeah. phrase. Huh? For people who don't know. I'm trying to get you to say your famous phrase. Yeah, well, you know, I don't do it no more. <laughs> ain't that a blip? <laughs> you might as well My say voice it. ain't the same. Yes, I mean, you can at least. Yeah. yeah. Man, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Are you doing it for me? Yeah, I know. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing it for me. Yo, Love plenty that. of people can play. Lucille, but I want to see B.B. King play Lucille. You dig what I mean? You B.B. King, that's I'll your get, thing. Now, I'm going to tell you, for the past couple of times, I've been with Chris at certain occasions, and I get the bill up to do it. Mm -hmm. But I don't, my voice ain't the same. No, somebody, I, 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 I still got a, 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 um, a promo mm -hmm. that I still press that I play on the radio, and you still hear it. <laughs> Yeah, and that joint is over thirty years. Over thirty mm -hmm. years old. Wow. It's not the same as, as getting to see you do it in person. Yeah. Hmm. 
Where they come from? Me and Pow Wow are the Sosign Force. We used to always joke about there was a cartoon. And the cartoon of this chicken that was considered like a chicken hawk. And he was called named Louis Foghorn. Yeah. And every time he always saying something, he at the phrase, end of the phrase say, yes. <laughs> yes. He was always known for doing that. Yeah. So every time we power amongst each other and we seeing something that's going on that's funny to us, we always look at each other and say, yes. <laughs> so when I started doing promos for my show, the radio show, I took that yes and I nothing it. Uh-huh. That's what I did. So it's really a yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the backlash between uh, <laughs> the the bridges over and you know what? What, what it was, was the, never what was no the physicality. Drama? It was None. never no physicality. Never, ever. never. All right. But the blessing it turned out to be years later after that because put it this way. I remember when I seen, met Magic the first time after he dissed me. And Larry Smith, rest in peace, used to be the producer for um, Houdini. Mm-hmm. He was at the Club Dance Interior. And the first time I ever got to meet Magic face to face, I seen Magic before from the heydays, but I really not face to face. And Larry Smith instigated the shit. He said, Magic, this is Red Alert. Red Alert. <laughs> This is magic. Magic, he is busting your ass. <laughs> <laughs> this is Larry Smith talking that bullshit. Right, right, right. And then, no, magic is going to talk and such and such. And then, right after, we, every time we saw each other, we just give each other a nod. Yeah. Point mm-hmm. of respect. Even though I know he was talking grimy about me. Right. But, I, and then sometimes during my show, I have some, have some promo songs. Uh, going after magic. You know, somebody being a nice one, they offer Houdini, big, big mouth, big, big mouth. Sorry, Mr. Magic. You know, I had them type of promos. <laughs> so imagine now I'm going on the road with Sparky, and we always doing shows with Shantae. And if you going on the road with Shantae, who I always saw first, Marty did it a couple of times, but here comes Shan being her DJ. Right. So now we're on the road. We're doing gigs, but we always had a sense in our mind saying, listen here, we know we rivals, but we in another state, city, wherever it is. Yeah, we together. Anything go down, fuck all that rivalry, we sticking together. Right. right. That's what it was. Mm. So I thought I had the same mentality once we was rivals with them, the Juice Crew, according to what we was doing. Right. We never took it any further than that, which lesson later on down the years in the 90s, magic. Shan, Chaos One, and I, we did a Sprite commercial. I remember that. Obey Your Thirst. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember that commercial. Awesome. So from all that turned into a positive down the road, getting a bag. Yeah, but at the time, the rivalry was really... It was right, but it never went physical. Never went physical. Right. But, I mean, but this is the time when people were really competing on wax. Like they, oh, yeah, they yeah, were, yeah, 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 definitely. And having two radio DJs to fuel it all... Well, you know what's so crazy because when they used to always say the battle of Kiss against BLS, they were trying to say station against station, but it actually was the rap shows against the rap shows. Mm-hmm. Because right. during the course of the day, you know, they and, are, as yeah. regular. But when it came to the weekends, who are you listening to? Who are you? 
Everybody said, well, I'm taping magic. No, I'm taping red. You know, and they exchange, you know, and then you had some of them who were fans that was going at each other, yo, he better, I'm better, you know, whatever it is. People forget that this is when hip hop only came on at two o'clock, like midnight, two o'clock in the wow. morning, and all the rest yeah, of the day when was R&B. I was first doing Kiss FM, I was on from 11 at night to two in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I remember that time that um, I came on, Seven months after me, no, right after I came on, then that Rascals came on. Then after that Rascals pulled off and go somewhere else, then Chuck came. And they had me and Chuck alternate every week, every other week. Chuck until they split us. Was this when you met a young right. Funkmaster Flex? No, I met Funkmaster Flex. It's funny how I met Flex. We was up in the Bronx at a place, um, um, it's right off of Parkchester. It was a uh, house, house. It was a club called House. It was yeah, like a bar club, something like that. And um, he was an understudy for Flex. And me and Chuck was bumping heads. He was an understudy for Chuck. So yeah. as, as he was bump, we were bumping heads, so when he saw me for the first time, he was coming to talk to me. I know he's talking to me to bat for Chuck. Well, well why were you and Chuck bumping heads? Well, no. Put it this way, I wasn't agreeing certain things that Chuck wanted to do, and he, he saw I wasn't for it. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So. What were I, those certain things? Hmm. There you I go. I pay what I want. There you go. Mm. And the I'm per- not going to throw Chuck under the bus either. Yeah, I, right. I understand. But the person I spoke to hmm? was Funk Master Flex. So now here it is that when that came to me in defense for Chuck, mm. then we got to talk. We talked about maybe about a good two, maybe damn near three hours. But then he got to learn about me because not knowing what is it that Chuck said about me to him, but he, by us conversing back and forth, he got to learn more where I stand. To this day, we still have that mutual respect for each other. Mm-hmm. Me and Flex, I gotta say, never had a squabble, never had an argument. Got crazy respect for each other. Beautiful. We're gonna take a five minute break. You and my husband. Is that the biggest song? Our House You, the biggest one, would you say? The biggest song to this day. To this day? Our House You. That song takes them many places. Because you gotta understand something. When it comes to dance music, Dance music travels globally. Certain genres of music go so far. But when it comes to dance music, dance or house, well, you know, house is part of dance music. Mm-hmm. Jungle Boy was running around the world. Did they get backlash for mm-hmm. doing that record, though? Because they were a hard-body hip-hop group. Nah, not at all. Because, remember, the same time they did that, that's when... That audience at that time was starting to embrace house. There was some of them that was leaving hip hop to go more into house. Mm-hmm. But what brought them back towards hip hop was records such as Jungle Bubba's Our House You. There was that guy named Doug Lacey. Doug Lacey. Mm-hmm. Doug Lazy. And that guy K Wise that did Stomp. Stomp. Yeah, that's the yeah, idea. Yeah, Stomp. So was, yeah, that's and the then idea. a lot of people didn't know about Mooney Love did a record overseas called Grandpa's Party. 
I didn't know which that. Which was record. a tribute to Bam. Mm -hmm. And that was a big record. So these are all house records. Queen Latifah had Come Into My House. Come Into My House. Uh, Heavy D had Now That We Found Love. Right. That was a house, that was a house record. Yes, yeah. uh-huh. So that was all during that realm of the late 80s, early 90s that you know, people were saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with hip-hop no more. I'm into the house music now. But by making them house records, gravitate them to come back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's crazy because now house music is starting to become prevalent in hip-hop songs, right? If I'm not mistaken, Beyonce's album had a lot of house. She got a whole house. It's, 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 it's coming in a circle yeah, again. You know what I mean? It's starting to... It's coming back into yeah, a circle. But depending on who you ask, like... It's uh, never left, right? We, we Hip-hop has such a wide umbrella. That's why I don't like it when people say that's not real hip-hop. Yeah. The, the fact is, as hip-hop artists, you're in a great position because you can l literally do anything you want to do, and it's still a hip-hop album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren Hill only rapped a couple of times on Miseducation, Mis but no one will tell you that that's not a hip-hop album. Hip album. Nelly made a whole country record. Onyx did a whole rock album. Like, no, no, Cypress Hill did yeah. rock superstar rap superstar. Like, we as, as hip-hop can go anywhere we want. And when we get there, we put our foot in it. Show how to be diverse in all different matters. That's what it is. Kind of like your record collection in the very beginning, how you had to learn under, under BAM how to play all right. genres. Right, and, and what I did, because I learned how to sandwich it, make it all complete, because if you got a big audience, a little bit of everybody, you try to please a little bit of everybody. Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes, according to how you program your set, you make them people that wasn't into it, get them to believe in how you program it. From, Blending in, Segway, whatever it is. Right, there's something I want to ask you specifically. We talk about gatekeepers a lot on this. The, the term gatekeeper has got like a real nasty um, reputation now. Like that term, period. People gatekeeping, gatekeeping. But whenever I think of gatekeeping, I think of what you described. I'm not letting you in here if it's trash. I'm not playing the record if it's trash. Nowadays, there'll be people who say, well, who are you to say what's good and what's bad? It is. You gotta understand, at one point in time, the DJs on radio that been later on to the guys with mixtapes, we was the trendsetters. We broke records. So as we broke records, people believe in what we present, you know? Everybody wanted to hear what the latest at Clue was putting on his mixtape. They always mm. wanted to hear the latest what me and Molly and Chuck was doing on the radio. When the viral internet world came in place, and it started changing the mindset that instead of going to radio, let's go to see what is the latest online. Right. And not only that, even before that, Guys say about 50. 50 felt like, well, I don't want to deal with DJs. I want to put out my own mixtape. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of artists that follow the same blueprint as 50. Then later on, I'm about to say the viral online world. You got to say a person like Soulja Boy. He broke the barrier on YouTube when he came out with that yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Everybody followed that. So now people program where you see to this day, what, TikTok is the leading thing right now? Yeah, that's so, the new radio. 
Huh? TikTok is the new radio. It's the new A&R. More, more artists get discovered on TikTok than any other platform, So that's going to show media. you how that whole shit changed around from what we was doing. We still want to hold our grounds. We get tired. I know I'm on, I'm at a club, I'm playing. Yo, play this, play that, play that. They dictating to you what to play. Like they trying mm. to jukebox you. Right. They have some of them so rude that they put it on their phone and try to put it up in your face. That's, that's where, you know, they feel like they want to push that envelope on you. Mm-hmm. Right. But did, did you notice that at the same time this transition happens, the quality of the record begins to drop? It did. It did because you made people believers of what is it you put out. You made people believers, you know? So if everybody go follow what Soulja Boy is doing on, 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 on video, mm-hmm. And they don't care what it sounds like, but the imaging, you know, right. leads you to that. Mm-hmm. Right. So now there's a million soldier boys because and of what's successful. And there's so many others besides I mean, him. But, but before Rakim, how dudes were producing songs and rapping, ain't no different than what soldier boy is doing. If you really break it down to the point, now, 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 real shit, bro. The the hip, the hip, they're gonna crucify you for putting Rock M and Soldier Boy. No, I said before Soldier Boy. You said before Rock M. Get him now. Get him now. No, you can't. I mean, if you take Big Daddy Kane and exceptions, like Biz Marquis, is he some great lyricist? Yes. Now let me tell you, there were some corny records that we believed in in our heydays too. Now, even though it wasn't a good, um, good song lyrically, but we liked it. That's all dancing do the Pee Wee Herman. He really wasn't saying much. I agree. But we caught on to that. Right. You know, I'm giving a parallel from Soldier Boy. He wasn't saying much, but the dancing and the vibing, you just get those time yeah, frames. Was MC Hammer really saying Hammer anything? Hammer danced to 10 million Okay, so. good. I'm glad yeah. you said that. I'm about to say, was Hammer right. really saying anything? Diamond. No Diamond. offense. I agree. Was Hammer really saying anything? Don't do it. Don't so do it. Don't do it. Oh! And he did it. And he did it. Don't do that so shit. Oh! Yo, my aunt, my aunt had to fucking, she had to tape, yo. She used to watch Nigga, that shit. Nigga, you bodied like that shit, son. <laughs> son. <laughs> So, used to be outside the illusion take your mind. You know, they used to hate me because some of the record reps used to always say, yo, how you like this? Um, nah, I don't care for it. Do you see the video? What the video got to do with what I hear? See, this is how they try to program you. Mm-hmm. I say, I don't look at hits, I listen to hits. That's a bar. Those are bars. That's a bar. That's a bar. That's a bar. But that's what they were trying to do you. That's the way they were trying to do you. So now, okay, well, we can't get him because we're going to try to program the audience. Right. So you don't like manufactured hit singles? Hmm? You don't like manufactured hit singles? What's what's a manufactured hit? Like, isn't every hit Forcing it, force feeding you until you be like, I fuck with it. Like what he just said. What the video got to do it, with the it, record? Oh, okay, a, be, a better question. Is it? Is there a, a formula to make a record that you might not like the first time that you hear it? A hit? I'm going to tell you, there's certain records that I didn't like when I first heard it, but it grew on me. I didn't like Top Billing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. 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 I didn't like it, but it grew on me. Right. 
There's records that I knew that I didn't care for, but turned out to be hits. So what, what would you say was the biggest records that at first you was like, nah, I ain't playing that shit, and it was a hit? Damn, I gotta think of it. Was it top billing? That's a pretty big record. That's a, that's a big record as it that is. That was a big it record, is. but there yeah. was other records besides that. Right. You know, was, I can't think of it. But you know, no I know I'm using top billing as an example, mm -hmm. you know? But, hey, I'm just a person with my opinion what I believe in. Right. No, I'm, I, there's records that I, I believed in that didn't hit, but it's my choice to decide what is it the program because it's my responsibility to come towards the audience to lead them. Because right. once again, if I don't lead them right, mm -hmm. to the next. This right. is great because we've had that conversation in this room before, and we spoke about the responsibility of the DJ. And I know when I was growing up. The type of rap that we have now, I, you, you, that would have never been played. You couldn't have took it nowhere. Not. You know, it wouldn't have been promoted. When did we lose that and the DJ lose being the director of the audience and it went to this mainstream? When it story, went viral. To the internet. The viral online world. And you do believe that the DJ should be the one. And we lost, we lost touch where they didn't want to listen to us. How many times you hear people say, well, I don't listen to the radio no more? No. Oh, when they go to the clubs, oh, let me tell the DJ what I want to hear. They are programmed by online what they see or, or listen to all day. But is that any different than people calling in to the radio station saying what they want to hear? Well, that's a different because you have some companies that you said, hi, not every single person, yeah. they were hi, to tell them, yo, keep calling the, the one here, hit it. And we can tell the difference. Marketing. Mm -hmm. Marketing, of course. Mar yeah. 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 Part of marketing. Keep requesting. No, but put it this way. There's some records I know that have been past me, but if I'm out there in the clubs and I'm looking at the response and I like hear it in the street and I say, oh shit, I missed this one. I didn't know about this. Mm. Let me look more into it. No. That's fair. Red, they purposefully found a way to go around you because your standards are too high. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's a collective of us they went around. Yeah. You know? When I say you, I mean the yeah. DJs, yeah, yeah. I mean, the gatekeepers. They purposefully found a way to circumvent and wrest control of this culture and, and get rid of your guiding hand because your standards were too high and they were way more interested in making money than they were reserving culture. Especially and when the they can't buy you. Well, well is well, that fair? Especially when they can't no. buy you. Buy let's, let's, you. How, how, how the... Three of us came in. It's a little bit different for you. But Mecca, is Kend does Kendrick Lamar exist without two dope boys and not right? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You get where I'm coming from? There's there. I'm not saying. Yeah. But those are still tastemakers. Right. I'm not, and mm -hmm. I'm not you know saying I mean? that there are people of integrity in those positions. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Mecca. Shout out to Shake. Yeah. Shout out salute to, to them. Yeah. Shout out to Nation. Like all these dudes, but they, they, they are cut from. The cloth of his philosophy. Because think about what he's saying. Right? They didn't take bread either. They didn't take I, money either. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. This this show exists, right? From the brainchild of Math Hoffa, but we're not on no network, so we circumvented everything that Red was saying. We blew past all the tastemakers to create this establishment but, off his back. So but look, that's look, the same look at, look at but look at what look at how we're doing it. We mm -hmm. didn't go to a network because we're not selling out. Because we're yeah, not accepting bread. We're still in the same 
our our moral compass, and I, I don't. Yeah. Our moral compass. No, this is, is a still, nice interaction. Still here. Yeah, of course. It, it, we still come from this. Mm-hmm. What, what put, you gonna put say, it this way. Like I'm still on BLS, right? Absolutely. Proud to say that as I'm on my shift, my shift is ratings are great mm-hmm. because I have dedicated followers. Plus, I'm bringing a new audience because remember, the new shakers and movers are the ones that's in their 30s and 40s that yep. 20, 30 years ago, they was in their teens and 20s, right. you mm-hmm. know? Now, here it is, they had grew up more into adulthood with their lifestyle, their profession, whatever it is, and they cater and listen to BLS. So what they hear me playing some of the stuff, because what I program. I program. I used to go way back before, but now they got me programmed from the 90s. On up. On up. And I still pick and choose at this present time what is it that could fit right along with everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, since you brought up the 90s, this is an era where hip-hop exploded. Mm-hmm. People were becoming millionaires like that now. Right. What was that like? Oh, man, here it is. The machine has changed. The direction has showed that um, the audience was embracing a little more than before because when you had from, like, 79 to, like, saying, I say, a give and take around maybe around 87, going to 88, it was still touch and go. Yeah. But now it got more commercialized because 88 was a big year for hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Rob Bass, Jazz Jeffress Prince, Push It By, Sort and Pepper, Pepper, you know. And then what also happened, once again, by the mindset, your MTV rap, mm. all that come in hand. So now as you go... Along with Ralph McDaniel, what he's been doing. Ralph McDaniel's the blueprint. You know what's interesting? You know he's the blueprint. Yeah. But now we're talking about across the country, yeah. your MTV rap that took... The piece of what Ralph was doing to make it. Ralph was from New York. This was nationwide. Right. Yeah, nationwide. So now they always assume, but now they see it, and what they do, they program by seeing it. So now they more involved with it. Meanwhile, it still gave us a chance as DJs to introduce new stuff. As we going into the '90s, it changed. Here come where. You had a diversity of the gritty and grimy of Daz effects and Lords of the Underground right. and, and a couple others. Onyx. No. Now here come the ghetto fabulous. No, from the Puff era. Right. No, that led, and the same time, you still have some street credibility with Nas, you know? On the side, here come Rockefeller, you know? Still showing its diversity, but it broadened more than it was during the 80s. 80, yeah. But you ushered in one of the most diverse crews, period. Like, you you brought in a crew that was apart from everything else you just mentioned. Which was a good timing because, like I say, with the mm. success of the Jungle Brothers, the Jungle Brothers, I would not say they the breakers, but they helped break it in. Right. When Jungle Brothers got to be doing a show for the first time with De La Soul that just came out also. They found, they came across and learned they had something in common with how 
with their artistry of how they came across making music. Meanwhile, the next set of people that was coming out of Bertram, you had Q-Tip, Ali Shaheen, mm -hmm. you know, and Jerobi. Shout out to Tip. And, and, and Shout also, out to, out to the whole from Q-Tip neighborhood is Fife. Right. Also Rest came out peace. of Mary Bertram that people didn't know was Brother Jay. Mm. Mm. X-Clan. X-Clan. Wow. And Norman, my man who was their DJ, rest in peace, Sugar Shaft. Sugar Shaft. But now here it is, they join, they all join force. At the same time, I'm in, in, in um, conjunction with Mark the 45 King. Mm -hmm. He brings to me, because I was playing a lot of his stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Um, he brings to me a young lady, Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah on the same label as De La Soul. She bring a certain flair, similar to what they doing. Mm -hmm. Jungle Brothers go overseas for the first time in 88. Once again, that girl I house you took them places. Who is it that Africa came across and mm -hmm. became the top person? She was the top MC in the UK at the time. The female, not just as a female MC, the top MC period. Moni in the middle. Moni Love. Moni Love. Here they come around now. Here it is, when I was DJing for Sparky down in North Carolina, I came across the guy that he was one of the top DJs, I forgot what part of town in North Carolina, him and his cousin. He was known as Shorty Doo-Wop. Here it is, he moved back up into New York and kept being around all of us and he said, yo man, I got this guy that we can do something together. He came across my man Drez. Shorty Duwap changed his name to Mr. Long. Wow. Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Meanwhile, on the offset, we started seeing people that assemble around us that had some similarity to what they was doing. Here come beating us coming around. Here come leaders of new school coming around. Here come uh, um, brand new men coming around. Some similarity. But it's still diverse at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So that would help broaden it for the native tongue. Mm. Now, tribe. Tribe was one of the most influential groups of all time because what they did, everybody had their style. Daylight had their style, Jungle had their style. Tribe brought a style of Afrocentric meat jazz. And they learn how to sandwich it so well with their sound that it was appealing to the, not the younger audience, but also the older audience. Mm. Because they hear the sound of that jazz and they hear the message of what they coming across with. That was so appealing to them. So that's what made them who they are. De La Soul? De La Soul, uh, they were going to consider them as corny in the beginning but they wasn't offensive. You know, they always had this thing about in the daisy age, the, the, no, um, the inner minds of uh, yeah, you know, daisy. But when they came out with um, plug tuning first, then I forgot the next one they came out with, but when they came out with me, myself, and I, mm -hmm. my holes in my lawn. Yeah. Uh, my holes in my lawn was the second one, right? Yeah, it's the second then one. Then here coming me, myself, and I using a sample of um, Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, no, George Clinton. 
And then with the introduction of that, who's on there? Q-Chip. For that little segment you say, once black again, is you black. Fuck, black is black, which is a segment coming from Jungle Brothers album. Because mm-hmm. he was on that album. Mm-hmm. Black is black. And also the song that was known as a promo on my show turned out to be a song called a promo. After that came in time. So it's like how they always kept on developing one piggybacking off each other. And what really Bridget the most was a song that really captured the eyes that everybody started acknowledging in the native tongue when they did a remix of Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> because now you see all groups are unified together. All rapping at the same time. My buddy. So remember when I was saying earlier, when I was looking upon what Bam was doing, Bam had the Jazzy Five, right, the Cosmic right. Force. Later on, he had a group called Shango and a couple other groups he had to fill. So when I saw what Bam was doing, he was found behind what George Clinton had. Funkadelics, Parliaments, Bride of Funkenstein, Parlettes. He came with that same mindset to have different groups. Under the same umbrella. Me being under Bam, watching this, saying, what is it that I can have an affiliation? Jungle Brothers, De La Soul, in affiliation, I mean, Jungle Brothers, Tribe Called Quest, in affiliation with De La Soul, in affiliation with Queen Latifah, having Mooney Love, Here Come Black Sheep. You assemble everything. Native tongue. And there we have the native tongues. They made some incredible freaking, like, they, that whole movement for, if you weren't a gangster, if you weren't selling drugs, they were like the only place you could but if you was selling no, drugs, no, you were still listening to them. If you was around them, you were still listening to They were still bro. gangsters, though. Word. They was gangsters. It's not like they wasn't gangsters. Oh, no, they no, no, no. Wasn't I'm, gangsters. I'm, not, I'm not saying that because Dredge had whole records about yeah, pulling like they, guns yeah, on they people. Wasn't. Like, right. I'm not saying that. Yeah, no. I'm saying aesthetically. And Mace was a beast in his own. Yeah, like, Say it again? Mace was a beast. A word? He could not be handled. <laughs> See, like, that could not that's, be. That's he changed his whole tone and tune. Yeah, that's said. what I'm saying. So, what you didn't that's mention, a fighting ass I thought thing. Just Ice was a part of Data Tongues. No, no, he was He's never. Not? Okay, because uh, when BDP. I see my shows, people love me. Me and him so because of the song I did with him going way back. Oh, okay, that's the video. That's the song with you. The video, okay, actually, okay, the video. Okay, he was okay. a BDP affiliate, wasn't he? Okay. Huh? BDP, just Ice. Yeah. He was Boogie Down Productions affiliate, wasn't he? He was affiliated with Chris because him and Chris used to be in in a home, in a shelter together. In a shelter together. See, I asked that because I used to see Just Ice at all of the Jungle Brothers shows. He came up in that time period. He came up in that time period. He was always around us. Do you think that. um? It was a conspiracy to get rid of that sound because, like, I grew mm. up off of that. The X Clan, the Karis One, the, you know, Tribe Called Quest. And I just think if we never accepted in the more rap that's more toned to negativity, I think where it was, we would have went. I think that, my opinion, because I saw this as in a channel in the beginning. I remember when, in 82, when the message came out. And then you had various artists, which was still early setting of hip hop, that people were trying to get them to understand it. There was a set of other different groups that came right after the message by Flash and Furious Five that was putting out similar songs, mm-hmm. you know? 
and that fizzed out. So now here it is where you have Boogie Down Production, even though they was grimy, but they had message also. Right. Because you had criminal minded, but then you listening to what he's saying in poetry, you know? Right. So he, he had it he had it balanced. But by the second album, you had him he had people paying attention more with my philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, stop the violence. At the same time, here come public enemy. But in the earlier setting before them two, you had poor righteous teachers where they stuck out by themselves. So now they re they, they hear, piggyback off of that is what I just mentioned. Boogie Down Production, Public Enemy, X Clan, um, several others. The audience is with it to a certain extent because after a while, the hip hop audience felt it was too preachy. Okay, yeah. enough is enough. I don't want to hear all that. So, what broke the scale through that? Here come NWA. And they, they, they were like the anti it, diversity. May I, may I ask well, you not, not necessarily anti, but they were like the, the Malcolm X to or, the Martin Luther's. So, it's, it's ill math right. because I, 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 never, I always wondered this, never asked it completely. Jungle Brothers album had straight out the jungle. Right. And NWA had straight out of Compton. Right. Was there was a connection between them making it that title? Um, or you just don't know That's a good question, which I never really look into that. Mm-hmm. No just put just pull my mind on to that. Mm. Um Jungle Brothers, their concept is to try to bring a different approach. Mm-hmm. Because everybody, one thing I could say, during that time, every group was having their own identity. They sounded different, they looked different, they presented themselves different. So when Jungle Brothers came with this idea of, you know, the Afrocentric approach, then you had De La Soul that had their style of what they did but they still attach according to the similarity of sound and presentation. Mm-hmm. Tribe, they had their Afrocentric, but the jazz fuse mm-hmm. brought a different flair. Right. But NWA, their whole thing was about the life they live. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think nothing about they had a similarity straight out of Zoom, straight out of Compton. Okay, you just thought about No, that. because straight out of Compton, they talking about where they originally come from, where they live. Mm-hmm. Right. Straight out the jungle is like bringing a different um, um, presentation, you know, because as we all know, <clears throat> living in the hood, you come from the jungle. The jungle. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was their way. They talk about the, the city they come from. Right. But when they came out, they was coming out raw. Mm-hmm. Now, there was other people that came out raw from them in the earlier stages, right. like King T, Ice T, mm-hmm. um, I remember my man, Toddy T, came out of this record called Battle Ram. Um, there was some records I was playing from out there I played yeah. also. But they was just displaying what they about, the gang ever. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we had our own gangsters, but their shit was slick. Cool mm-hmm. G rap. Right. You know, the most raw, I would say, I, I, I feel just as a little more raw than Cool G rap. Then here come... The smooth, laid-back Rakim. Mm-hmm. We know the gangster image coming from them, but how they coming across. 
you know? Right. They was telling stories. Yeah. Telling stories. But they know? dressed like eighties drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Right. They were dressing like drug they dealers. They did. They did. But they, uh-huh. they, the music. They still. They told stories of what we shouldn't have got involved. No, I totally. Mean, I was such a kid affected by that. So, I went from listening to Karis One, and Karis One said a lyric when I was a kid that I don't eat meat, you know, turkey, yeah. ham, or hamburger. Mm-hmm. I stopped eating meat at 15 years old. Because that's self-suicide, self-murder. I have not ate meat since 15 years old because of that lyric. Kara's one was the one who brought into my mind, I'm going to private school or, you know, Christian school. He started saying Moses was black and these people was black. That made me immediately go study what the, you know, and go look it up. When N.W.A. dropped, I'm like 12 years old, you know, I'm good kid. I don't know anything about the street besides what a kid could see on TV. Mm-hmm. From listening to N.W.A., I was in a mirror saying I was a nigga for life and I was on the run and you know what I'm saying? You know what your story it sounds completely, like? Young bird. It Young completely bird. changed yeah. who I was. Yeah. You know? If I would have kept on the careless one path, which that did override me in life. Right, right, right. Thank God, because that was my original. But think about the kids that came up when their original wasn't careless one. Right. But why did that override you, though? Because that was the source. It was the source. The I came source. up. But like, what was it so enticing to you, bigger? Because careless one was education. But, but NWA comes. How does that overlap with KRS? How did that overtake what KRS was saying? It, it, overtook, it overtook your really? mind because of the vibe, like he the said. Vibrations the vibration is... The vibration, I just Not told you, I was in the but mirror. we all know in reality that violence attract more than anything else. That, right. There you go. No, doing like that. It's an attention... Mm-hmm. It it's world. provocative. I call right. it the world star effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You won't stop if, if two people are giving dap on the street, you, you keep walking. Two people yeah. fighting. You, you know, you know what's so crazy? When we had... See, I just with Fresh Prince, Girls of the World ain't nothing but trouble. And I used to play that in Union Square. The hardcore Brooklyn cats was dancing to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Then here it is, later on, they was considered corny. Mm. Because when Will started appearing on TV, Fresh Prince of Real, and he came with parents to understand, I ain't trying to hear that shit. Mm-hmm. But you wasn't thinking like that a couple of years before that when you listened to Girls Over well, Ain't Nothing But Trouble mm-hmm. and Brand New Funk, mm-hmm. you know? That was like, oh, yeah, uh, now you want to be appealing more to the harder substance. Right. And that's what happened. But by NWE coming at the same time as the Native Tongue and many other different features of mine, it had a diversity where you can make a choice which one you want to go to. Right. Mm-hmm. And it came like that into the 90s once again, when I was saying, for example, you had Brand Nubian, you had Pete Roxiel Smooth, you had Dyes Effect, you had Laws of the Underground, MC Light was still making her way coming through with the Roughneck and mm-hmm. all that, but then here it is, Diddy, along with Andre Harrell, wanted to bring a different flair, like hip-hop grown up. It's like, you know, we're not, we not in the street no more. We're trying to show that we classy. Right. That's why he came with the term ghetto fabulous. We bought this money. We were in suits. We in, you know, we, we, we moved up. There was right. an R&B. You know what it reminds right. you of? 
the crowd, he was saying where he was, where he learned to DJ at. Mm-hmm. When yeah, it was it all dressed up, it kind of went back to, yeah, back yeah, to yeah. that crowd. Right. That's crazy. Right. It's, yeah. a, it's cycles. Mm-hmm. But in, in defense of um, NWA and other like hardcore uh, hip hop groups, they're just explaining their environment. Yeah. And in a way, you're like, you're, or, right, in the hood, everybody knew just one kid that was just too nice. And because mm-hmm. he was too nice, he got taken advantage of. Right. And you and you would just wish that kid would just be a little bit tougher. But he kept getting taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's like not understanding the mentality of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. The neighborhood made you like that. So they were just expressing, yo, this is what's going on around us. Well, you when, think about the time frame of NWA, what was going on in LA? Oh, yeah, oh, You see what I'm saying? Jeez. One, but one example of what I mean to that. So this is better give y'all an understanding. There was love in hip-hop, which you already know about. You know, it was all about love. Heavy D, LL Cool J, I Need Love. Yeah, Houdini, one yeah, love. Exa- you know? It was all about love. Mm. Again, I'm from this. I'm that age. I'm mm. from that. Snoop Dogg dropped. And he said, give a damn about no hoes, I don't, you know, hoes. That changed everything. Because it changed it, the whole it, it entire... They were expressing how they were living out. But, but, it, but it wasn't just but Snoop. You, got, you, you, go back to di- you go back to Digital Underground. They was rapping about hoes, we, too. We still have, I don't even talk about Digital Underground. In a different form. <laughs> but we I'm still just gotta be responsible <laughs> I'm just saying. what we put out to the children. Right. What we put That's out true. to the children, we gotta be responsible. Again. Again, <laughs> the sucker for love dude. What does he need to listen to? Snoop. Yeah, otherwise. No. Yo, every time I broke up with no. somebody, Snoop Dogg was the go-to, oh, son. Oh, God. Snoop, I'm going to go my baby mom, son. Yo, last meal, uh, track 15. Mm. Son, losing control. I was looking at black women. Got out of was, was, But it's not all. Bigger, you know that. that. kid don't understand but that. You know that. that. That's not let's, all let's, of them. Let's, let's understand another thing. If you remember during the early 90s, when after that situation that Luke went through for freedom of speech, mm-hmm. and after they won that, that opened the door for everybody to speak their mind. And it went gun hole right mm. from there. Even though we know NWA was already at that point. Yeah. And they got in trouble behind that. Fuck the police. Yeah. And come up. But now here, after what Luke was doing, and he had to go to court with that, but it helped lead for the I entire for I... the freedom of speech. Everybody just went for it. Mm. And See, maybe it shouldn't have been. Nah, I I think at the same time. I mean, all, all that love, like, yo, bro, you can't. It should, no, you, you can't right. walk through the project. Anyone like, can say what they love, want, but love. you can't nah, muffle. You can't like, muffle the truth. The truth got muffled somewhere. When police started hitting people upside the head and all this, all these racist people that was attacking, but no, bro, we needed a chance nah, for war. Public Enemy had the answer needed, for that, though. We needed it, a chance for it, war. It didn't take gangbanging to do, but Public but, but, Enemy had the answer but, for but, that. But, but you listen to what Chuck D is saying. Time, Chuck yeah. D is, come on, bro. Chuck D was no, with, he, he was he was, he was beating up yeah, slave yeah, masters, yeah, yeah, man. He was, he was, it was the same message, bro. 
It was the same message nah, in, nah, in a different nah, approach. Just, 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 just wraps up different approach. You can't compare NWA to no public enemy. NWA, I never heard bitch in a record until I heard NWA. I never heard black on black crime like the way they expressed it until I heard NWA. According I didn't to the, how they any of Love's that. gonna get you? Love's gonna get you. Love's gonna get you? Yeah. No, but that's telling a story. Again, if you listen to Love's gonna get you, he's telling you what not to do, what not to end yeah, up. Yeah, no, he's that right. The he's love right. is he's gonna right. get you, it's gonna that send like you down the wrong tale. road. You can't compare these legendary when it come, groups. When it comes to both sides of the United States, it's different lifestyle. Yeah. Different lifestyle, you know. When, I remember one time I got into a debate with somebody out west because I was saying, we have gangster rappers too. They are gangster rappers is soft. I said, why you say that? Because y'all ain't living like we living. And that's the way they felt. Shout out to my man Glasses. Shout out to Glasses Malone. He, he had a very good point. He said, East Coast is hip hop culture. West Coast is gang culture. Like, y'all are hip-hop first, and then whatever comes after that comes but after that. But that's not true. But it's not I'm just, true. I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving the whole. No, 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 I get, I, I get <laughs> it. Like, but, but historically, come on, bro. Yeah, that's not. He, he just, just said it was gangs before hip-hop. How many gangs was gangs before hip-hop? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, I'm not saying this. No, I know you're not. I know you're not. But I'm just saying. To refute that, and I hear where y'all are coming from, and I even agree to an extent, but... Gang culture out there is all-encompassing in its first. I don't believe gang it's culture. Because it's allowed. Whatever the it's reason. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here no, I'm just saying, we live reason. in a money city, bro. Right. Look, out there, yeah, yo, y'all oh, want to paint your whole hood red? <laughs> Go ahead. We don't care. Try that shit in New York. Yeah, you can't do it. Nah, so you got to pay for the permit. Yeah, you just can't do it in New York. It's the money city. They're not letting they like like that fly. They kept it over there. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. right. Yeah, you know. but you can't... You they can't. had some that learned how to balance it, but they kept it separate. Yeah, but Jay-Z, Diddy, the more successful hip-hop dudes from the East Coast aren't having meetings in the projects anymore either. You and they're I mean? still the most successful gangsters. Right. The most Not successful gangsters are the dudes that sitting in corporate. I sit across them all the time and they are more ruthless than any dudes I've ever seen in mm. the street. They make decisions that could take a whole lot of people out, you know, and they do it like that. Put they're it this way. Let me put it to you like this. And I'm not talking about within hip-hop culture. I'm going to give you a, a sample of entertainment culture. This is what I learned. There's a lot of person, a lot of people that was incarcerated that had grew up amongst entertainers, but they was living that life in the streets. Right. What some of them did looking out. When they came home, I want you to take this record, put it up on your arm, I want you to go and see if you can get this record played by a DJ. See if you can get this record player. They introduced the people who was coming out of jail or who was coming off the street, they lead into. Now, they gonna look at it this way. Some of the most successful business people are street cats. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me get into this. Let me see how I can work it. And then they start working their mind. Right, Before yeah. you know it, they start working their mind. Say, well, I can do this. And they establish because some of the biggest thugs start becoming it. record owners. Mm -hmm. 
they establish a business. The drug dealers used to think when I was growing up, rapping was corny. Yeah. Until they figured out that they wanted to get they some of the money. fame like the rappers was getting. Of and, and then they could bust a rhyme. When and they yeah, exactly, but rap when was, rappers became the new drug Exactly. When, they, when, when the yeah. rappers were stealing the light. Yeah. I would mm. say about... Um, Early 80s? Mid, uh, mid- no, no, it was later way, than that. Way later. Later, later than, than that? Yeah, way I, later. I say it was me? in the 90s. Not, 98? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Did it start with Cool G? No. I don't think Are you sure? I'm going to have some thought. No. The pain in full era. That's when rappers were dressing like right. drug dealers, had the cars that drug dealers had, was going up and getting the custom-made gear that drug dealers got. But they didn't have to sell drugs, and now they got more fame than drug dealers. Right. No, but so they, the drug dealers want to become rappers. When, when the saying. rappers were nah. going to jail and they were still wearing the same clothes, driving the same car, and like getting all the same Rick. chicks. I, 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 no, nah. the paid, yes, the paid in full ass. Yeah. I said ho. Dick Rock nah, him. I said Dick ho. Rock him. My older, brother was said from, ho. my older brother was from that era, right? He used to tell me all the time, these, I, he looks. But yo, Supreme was in one of the early photos with Rakim. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 but yeah, was was su- was su- the, the, it 50 oh, Cent was right next to him. Hold on, hold on. But was Supreme trying to rap? No, because Supreme, Supreme, that, that's was, what I'm saying. Supreme was too far oh, gone, but when did but the would he take a picture with the rappers? Thank you. The actual when, drug dealers want to be the rapper, not when the rapper wants to be I would say when 98 to 05, yeah, from when, when Hove started really cooking to that young Jeezy startup, nah, y'all that's tripping. when you seen the y'all drug dealers. Because it depends on what you mean. Yeah, because you saying drug dealers rapping about selling drugs? Because I could tell you there were many rappers that came before Jay-Z that used to sell drugs and they rap. I read Russell Simmons' book and he was a drug dealer. You feel what I'm saying? Russell Simmons was a drug dealer. and it's a I see we were selling weed. Or weed. I understand exactly what you're saying. I understand exactly what you're saying. It was like a lighter stance of being a drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. It was the weed. Leave in the comments what year did... Drug dealers wanted to start being rappers. After Let's go. Easy e. I'm gonna tell you, oh, that's a good one. After yeah. the first album by Eric B. and Rakim, mm-hmm. that's when they got a big signed deal for MCA for eight hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. During that time, I used to have all the dealers come to me and say, "Yo, Red, they getting it like that now?" They was a, they were shocked because they. Always thought about saying, oh, you're just getting a little bit of money. We got the money. But once they heard about that big contract, and then other people start getting similar contracts behind that, oh, they're getting it like that now, Russell, going on? Mm. So they opened their eyes. Paid in full <laughs> era, that's what yeah. I said. Paid in full. Even if they didn't start rapping, when you, the first, as soon as you see a drug dealer in a picture with a rapper, that's it. That's they wanted it. to become producers. Then. Yeah, they were trying to get next to them. They were trying to get next to them. They were trying to get next to them. I want to get on the record. Yeah. All right. All right. Let, let, let's okay, let, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Okay. 90s. Towards the... The, the, the ghetto whip. fabulous. Uh-huh. Like I said, around 94, but I stayed on... Puffin. Puffin, um, Lee to Rockefeller. 
but still you had on the side the cats for the, having the streets on lock. Boot camp click. Mm-hmm. That was similar to them. Shout out so to Rockman's Monster. So became a balance. But what had override that the image that you know, Diddy and them was, and Rockefeller and all of them were portraying was showing that, you know, oh, we moving on up, we moving ahead, we going forward. This is what we bring, this is what we have, this is what you gotta believe what it is. We come far from where we started. Right. You know, that's what it was. Meanwhile, people such as the boot camp click and many others similar to them, Wu Tang just as well. Right. They say, no, we still we still grimy and gritty. Right. No, we moved up too, but we still keeping ourselves the same way. Mm. Now we probably got just about the same what you have or even less, but we still got it. Right. So that's when you was looking upon which direction you want to go. You want to be with this or you want to be with that? <laughs> Shout out to Black Sheep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So who would you say won that battle? Huh? <laughs> who would you say won that battle? <laughs> or won, that, won the people over? Um, it, it's, it's a little of both. But mm. I say more towards... The glamour. The glamour. Because look how it coming to today's time. People still upholding that image. Mm-hmm. You know, being glamorous, you know, splurging, showing, you know. Right. Where coming to a lot of the artists that's on the commercial level today is above the average. They followed that blueprint from what was taking place in the early, in that 93, 94. Right. That's you know? what Uncle Ralph said too, the shift. He sat in the same it chair. It was that shift. 92, that sh- he said it, it shifted So when you're looking at artists like the Migos or like Khaled, they trying to show and display all what they, how they living. That comes from the Diddy area. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm. Now, the true hip hop heads, they still go and carry their own. Mm-hmm. And they living like that, but they still resonate the streets. Right. Dipset still resonate the, the streets. streets. Right. Locks still represent the streets. Right. You know? So it had become a separation, but they both had group. How, how influential was someone like Big Daddy Kane towards that era? Big Daddy Kane show how he's fierce on the mic, but came across in a sophisticated way for to be appealing to the audience. And the ladies. His style, (laughs) his image, while spitting that fire. Mm. That's what it was. When you look at that whole Juice Crew, it was a lot of diversity in the Juice Crew. We know how raunchy and raw that Shantae can be. We know how Shan could be. We, could, we know how Liverpool Coogee Rack could be. Same thing for Kane, but their image was different. Mm-hmm. Then you had some people that was like, not as mainstream them, but they still can bring it like a Craig G, like a Master Ace. You know, I'm just naming a few that, you know, they was very diverse in their own way. But Kane, he stand out on his own. No, I got to ask, what did y'all think? When you saw Kane in the pool. Mm. With Naomi Campbell. With Naomi Campbell looking like she about to get crazy 
with Madonna oh and her God. legs in the air. What was Did the you see that picture? People like, yo, that's a glamour right there, That's the glamour. That's the glamour right there. That's, that gri- that's grimy that you read, or that's huh? glamour? That was the glamour. That was the glamour for them at that time. No, yeah. bro, that's beyond some hood nigga shit. <laughs> Don't do that to right me. Now. That was glamorous right now. But when that picture hit, was it oh, like, right. he's a rapper, though. Like, he was right? showing in his own way, he say. In his own way. <laughs> in his own way, uh-huh. I moved up with the type of chicks I'm dealing sure, with yeah. at this yeah. time. Right. right. This is the chicks I'm dealing with at that time. Right. You know? You know, you know why that picture didn't surprise Put me? Put it this way. Mm. And it's going to sound crazy, but I'm being honest. Sick. By making that song with Kane called Calling Mr. Welfare, where it was talking about resonating people from the hood, mm-hmm. to him go ahead and doing, taking pictures like that, showed that how he was escaping from that. Mm-hmm. To move up to the next thing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So naturally, even if you take Diddy and Hove out, hip hop was gonna progress that way. It man. was always in progression. It's just that it was showing so many different directions. Mm-hmm. It always showed different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was one thing about hip hop. It's everlasting. Yeah. Like in the great words with Grandmaster Cass say, hip hop didn't invent anything. It reinvent. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. And it always went for different directions. Really? Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, he had a, um, a venue he had to go to so he couldn't make it. Of course he he's working. Precept venue. What mistruths would you like to correct? Because we had the conversation about um, uh, the certain network that was trying to get a story spun. Something that I feel that misguide people and got them blind. We all love money. We all love power. But you lost the artistry of what it is. Mm. The artistry is gone. As the artistry is gone, you're just putting up, up and putting out anything to make the bread and not showing the artistry as strong as it been before. You know, that's the only thing I, I could feel. You know, when I say the art, the development of the sound, of who making it, who producing it, um, who presenting it. And I also in, in, um, in, uh, in the looks, you know, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. Where when we got into the recording field, the, the culture of hip-hop got into the recording field, you had to articulate certain things to be accepted, you know, um, to get a pass, you know, that, but, and then, you know, you had to make you, there was a selling pitch to make people believe what you bring in. Mm. It's crazy where, when one DMC came out, once upon a time, you say it was loud and obnoxious. Within years later, you appreciate Run DMC. So it showed from where it came from to where it became, where it got. And then, you know, once it got too far fetched, where it come to certain sounds, not all sounds, but certain sounds that now you're going left. You don't care about the artistry no more. You just doing whatever you want, making whatever you want, 
don't care before you think about that bread. The bread is on your mind than the, the style that you're presenting. Right. That's what I feel. Be more about the artistry. The well, artist art always got to be an art. I got a question if y'all don't mind. Go for it. So I'm looking at you as you're talking and stuff, and I, I know you said your first image, you said you wasn't doing the, the what you call them? You asked him about oh, yeah, fashion. Yeah, the, the, the um, so you said <laughs> the bedazzle shades. So one thing I happen to know is like your hat is a symbol mm -hmm. that has been consistent through your career. When did the hat become a part of the image? Like the I think I started wearing the hat around in late eighties, eighty six, eighty seven. Okay. Because, like I said, once upon a time, I was known for having the big red afro. Mm -hmm, right. mm -hmm. But then after a while, I just felt like wearing a hat. The first hat I had, similar to this, it was a hat by Kango. Mm -hmm. And it had, like, it used to be like a little rubber thing on here. Mm -hmm. It was the image of a Kango. Right. You know, kangaroo. Was it fuzzy? Huh? No, nah, it wasn't fussy. Oh, all right. <laughs> We're not doing this. It was more like a, a, rub, a rubber type thing. Right. And what I did, I rubbed it off. Oh. And I kept it just like that. So then afterwards, I got accustomed to it. I started looking for every place I can find this hat. And I just kept it like that. So I wasn't thinking about any different other hats besides this. I just stuck to this hat. It's like me with sneakers. Nope. Now you're and I know this is my ID. This is my ID. Rolls of I know you hat. got the No, it's rolls of the hat. <laughs> I know you and got the And he's always been consistent with his hat and don't touch his hat, you know what I mean? So Again, we get to the toxic modesty part because I think there's a lot of things in his career that he's just not... Oh, yeah, he's just, he's being, he's, it is, yeah, I like that term, he's very modest. Take it with you, I coined it here first. Yeah, there's a lot of toxic modesty. Very modest, yes. I've been calling you Uncle Red since you walked in and had no idea how many uncles you're responsible for. Right. <laughs> I'm going to mention this. I know I just mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. First person I called uncle to was, remember Tuffy for Video Music Box? And all yes, the we did. Tuffy had this big image looking like an uncle figure to me. Because if you remember how he used to always be hosting, getting people to do shout and they look up to him. They look up to him, and you know, he's a yeah. big fella. So right. they look at him like, so I say, Uncle Tuffy. Mm -hmm. I used to always say, Uncle Tuffy, Uncle Tuffy. Then I, went, I started calling Ralph Uncle. Uncle Ralph. Uncle Ralph. And then here it is. I was at a convention down in New Orleans called the BRE, Black Radio Exclusive. And um, at the convention next to the hotel was where it was a, no, there was a big boat ride that Warner Brothers records they have. Uh, so I got on there and I got drunk, feeling no pain. <laughs> I got off the boat, going to the hotel. Who I see is Luke. I'm feeling no pain. Uncle Luke, Uncle Luke. He turned around to me and said, you have my red? Yeah, Uncle Luke, God bless you. <laughs> they all, well, not Tuffy held on to it, but between Ralph and Luke held on to that title. By me saying uncle so much, in return, people start calling me, me uncle. uncle. Right. And what it stands for, because tear of endowment, right, you said. Mm -hmm. um, 
you you now as a seasoned vet, and but you still got a younger audience looking up to you. Right. Instead of looking up to you like a big brother, they they go and say uncle. So being that you was connected to the violence, you was probably indirectly responsible for Uncle L also. Well, Uncle L probably took the title Uncle as yeah. well as Snoop. Right. And a couple others. Right. You know, but the first two was between Ralph and Luke. That's it. So. Because remember, they're elders in the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So of course they wanted to attach that title. When when did you notice that uh um hip hop was being pushed towards the youth, period. And everybody else was trying to, they were trying to shut out anybody who got uh, to their 30s or, or whatever. I like, think when, I know the when, time. When did you realize, like, what, why is this happening? Well, the term hip-hop to this day always represents youth. No matter, like I was just saying, that in the past, you know, anybody in the realm of R&B, dance, whatever it is, they never wanted to accept it. So they always want to make it, make it look young. Meanwhile, wait, how many years is it? <laughs> right. It's about to be 50 40 plus? years, but 49, right? 49 right, 49 right yeah. now. 49. Right. 50 next year. Yeah. yeah. But they still want to look at it as a youthful term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... If I got somebody listening to me on radio today on a station WBLS that's in their 30s, 40s, maybe 50s, they grew up on that. Right. Mm-hmm. But they always want to direct more of the newer sound that's being made out now today. Right. And want to still say, well, you know, that's that young stuff. That's that young stuff. They grew up. But they always want to title it like that. Yeah. So it never gonna stop. Wow. You know what I think? The shift from Kiss FM to Hot 97. That could be a point too. Yeah. That was because, a big moment in the city. It divided. Because, you know, mm-hmm. and glad you say that because yeah. Hot 97 came in 93. Mm-hmm. And that's 10 years in I've been on Kiss FM. Right. Mm-hmm. So now it's a new regime. New sound, new development, new station. It's a 24-hour station. There was 24-hour stations such as out west, K-Day, right. you know, and probably a couple other places. But now you got in New York City a 24-hour station that listen. You can hear hip hop all day. So now it resonates with that once again. It keeping it youthful. So now they're gonna look at me as the older standard. Even though they brought me over to Hot 97, I was doing the old school and knowing them. But later on, I was doing the 5 o'clock free because I... Free run. Right. Yeah. Which I have learned to continue from ever to ever, generation to generation, to be accepted. Right. They still look at me as the older version, but they go and look at me saying, but well, damn, Red been around, but he's still on point with what's going on. Right. About what he's playing. Right. So that's where, you know, you saw different turnarounds like that. that I'm glad you brought that up. No. <clears throat> so now I'm on BLS, which is 10 years that quick, because mm. 10 years ago in 2012, April of 2012, was the close of 98.7 Kiss FM. Wow. That was crazy. 
where I wind up coming over VLS. I never thought I'd ever be on a station that I was rival with. Mr. Magic's house. <laughs> hey, being on VLS is like Babe Ruth did not picture himself being with the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, that's mm. crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, right? That's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> that's nasty. It's like Magic right. playing on Boston. It's true. Magic playing for the Celtics. When, uh, when, I, was, <laughs> when I was growing that's up. It's getting worse. But, but it's, you know. A lot of the founder rappers that I saw when I was growing up, like we've mentioned some of their names in here, and you know, the founders of hip hop itself, they didn't cash in on the payday. And you know, I've spoken to other rappers that I'd be around um, from a more current era, and they seen to feel that when I mention the old school rappers to them, they feel that they don't owe them anything. They feel like, oh, they never put nobody on, don't owe them nothing. Uh, and how do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, what's your view on Well, put it this way, because I come from that era myself. What I have learned to do when I got my chance, remember I told you, I was the last man on the totem pole being on the band. But when I got my turn, I learned to build and embrace, not abuse. Once I got in, I started seeing that now you are in a business, an entertainment. You start to observe everything around you. So I learned how to pick up and embrace that. There's a lot of people from the beginning of the culture never had a nine to five in their job. So they never, they may not know much I'm not saying they do, but they may not know much of responsibility what they have as an occupation. They live off of part to what they was involved with. Right. You know? Hey, you know, hey, you know, I'm the top MC, I'm the top DJ, you know, everybody love me in the hood, everybody love me in the area. You know, I'm making this right there. But they never knew how to manage their success. Some of them that have became recording artists but never had somebody sit down with them to learn how to manage their career for the future time. I was fortunate to get involved with um, radio to learn about business and evolve from there. Right. And not only that, learn how to keep my name out there. It was sad many times that I had my peers that I came up with introducing them to some people and they don't recognize who they are. Mm. There are some people that had some successful songs, but you don't know who the artist is. But you heard the songs all the time. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Who made that? So, you know, they didn't go with the growth. Right. And, you know, a lot of them are setting their ways at the same time, too. Do you think the new age hip-hop should... Being that it's a billion-dollar industry now and it's using most of the stuff that these guys created. Well, here go another thing. Char like I said, not all, some. When the next wave came in, a lot of the present artists from before did not want to have open arms for them. Oh, you knew Jax, you this, you that, such and such, didn't want to accept them. At the same time, when some of them saw that, they, some of them were like, oh, well, you, that's the way you feel about us, and we're not thinking about you. And they moved on. 
because we can't continue that. I mean, because the history get erased if we... Which, which is true. But if you show how to be open-minded and open arms to each other, that's why I respect a, a couple of artists that, like, um, what's, what's the white, white boy name? Oh, man. Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. He took time and reached out to Melly Mel. Yeah. Grandmaster cool. Cass, Kumo D, and they did a song together. That's we need more talking. of them. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. We need about. more yes. of them. But there's a disconnect because of the, how the elders feel and how the new ones feel. Mm. We have to bridge that somehow. We have to bridge. You know what? It made me feel bad that, rest in peace to Mr. Bill Russell who just passed away. That's my... Uh, Bill Russell? Bill, yeah. yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I ain't hear That's one guy I wanted to interview. You want to hear something wild? The NBA is retiring his number for every team. Teams. Mm. Nobody can win no, number six. No, no team can have I'm going to tell you six. why I brought up Mr. Bill Russell. Mm. Every generation that came through in the NBA, I saw I had sat down and have a conversation with that. Mm -hmm. Because there was open communication. Sit down with Kobe. Sit down with LeBron. Sit down with many of the youths sitting down with Curry. But you don't see that in hip hop. You think it's because of the competitive nature of what we come up? We, we work so hard to go against the each other to be- feel like they don't older, old, the old we, rap? We, we not more competitive. But, 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 I could have, they, they, they don't feel like they like them either. The young, younger rappers sport. don't feel like the older rappers like them. Because a lot of they them have. You have a lot of side. You have the older ones that did not want to embrace them and mm. made them feel some kind of way. And you got the younger ones that feel like, well, your time is up. Yeah. As you were saying, yeah. gatekeeper. Yeah, right. I feel like that's constant, though. It's, I mean, it's not. But it's what Red is saying, we not. just need to highlight the people that do do it. Like, yeah. shout out to Method Man. Yeah. yeah. Method it's, Man it's, is out here still smoking everything. We got to give more love to the people that yeah. are still we, we, yeah. people that before are doing him. it. If yeah. you have older generations who are threatened by the presence of the youth because it means their time is up, they're going to react in a negative. But every if you year have we, younger generations who feel like they can't measure up to the standard that, the, that these other guys are setting, they're going to react negative. And mm -hmm. when those two meet in the middle, it looks like, well, fuck you. Well, fuck you. That's what you get. But when, if you're nice and you're young and I'm, I'm, I'm secure in my career and I'm secure in what I've done and I'm secure in my reputation and what I've been able to put in stone and you can't, your presence doesn't threaten my reality mm -hmm. and, and I admire your skill set and you see the standard that I set and your whole thing is, I'm gonna be better than that guy. But what, I'm gonna be as good or better than that guy. And you come in a real MC, you come in a real MC with that mentality, those guys get along. Just yeah. he he chops it up nonstop with everybody. Don't nobody come in here talking. Ain't we go all up and down? Graph, another one. All up and I see people so, so I, I hate that narrative that we just hate each other. Yeah, yeah. It's the insecure and the whack who make the most noise. World star effect, they make the most noise, so that's what we pay attention to. But none of us look when he's sitting down giving classes to and, and talking about how he funk master flex and Moni Love and all this. And no, and he came, come on, as many doors as he opened up. Why you, don't you, we have a DJ Khaled record and DJ Red Alert record? Ask Khaled. But I want to say but that's just the point of what I'm making. Ask Khaled. But can we go back to what he's saying with Bill Russell? I think that's very important. 
because it just opened my mind. We don't really have an almanac of the accomplishments of everybody in hip hop. Like see, statue, see like when a, you look at Bill right. Russell, yeah. there's you know 11 stats. rings yeah. and, 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 went and there's a reason to respect. respect. Yeah, so like now if we come, Math Hoffa. And that's what's lacking in the culture of hip hop. Like how you just sat down with my expert opinion, you ran down giving Uncle Luke his name. Not to disrespect, but what you did. Now everybody's gonna look and say, this guy been killing before my own pops was born. Yo, he's yo, still yo, acting. Yo, he's yo, still. What you doing, man? What you doing? Oh, that's a show. <laughs> that's a show, bro. We did then nah, nah. Got you. Stop talking. Got you. Immediately. But you know that what? That is a show. Got you. I will, I will admit this. That's happening. I, I am honored to this day that yeah. a great amount of the younger audience embraced me. Why? Because number one, I have learned to adapt from generation to generation, ever to ever. Mm. If I'm learning how to play breakbeats from the beginning to where I'm playing... Listen, listening to the record. Yo, <laughs> listening <laughs> to the needle, bro. To, listening to certain feature rap records that's going on today. And I've said I'm learning how to sandwich everything together, not only as far as the genres of music, but different eras. Mm. And make it sound... Yeah. Again, why, why isn't nobody doing that? Taking records from, from then and now and making, like, blends. It is somebody doing that. It is somebody doing that. It is somebody doing that. It is. No? Jim Jones and Mano just made a whole album. Jim Jones and Mano. Taking mm -hmm. a bunch of 90s beats. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, taking the actual songs. The songs, yeah. And then, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, okay, mm. a lot of the youths at the, at the, um, that work at the station, you know, in different departments, you know, there's some of them that take time and talk to me because I show them, I present myself where I'm approachable. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm going to be snobbing, turn off on you, and I don't want to be bothered with you. Right. And they come and ask us, I take time to talk to them. But I'm also learning from them, too, mm -hmm. because I got to see where their minds is at, what they thinking, what they feeling. What's something you learned from Funk Flex? Funplex is a mastermind in a business sense. What I respect about Flex, he never forget who helped bring him in. Mm -hmm. When he formed this thing, Lit Digital DJs, he grabbed Chuck Chillout and myself to be a part of it because he looked upon where we open our arms to him. He ain't turn his back. He ain't say, oh, your time is up. He embraced us, regardless how long we've been around. Here it is. He keep me in tune. Mm -hmm. He let me know. Anything I'm aware of, I bring it to him. That's how it's supposed to be with everybody. But a lot of people don't think that. His career isn't threatened by your presence. What he's established with himself isn't threatened by the presence of a legend. That's what happens when you're securing your career. That's no. what you can do. And I, and I got to say, he spoke mm -hmm. very highly of you yeah, I for respect. a long while. I appreciate that. Yo, I, I have great respect for Flex. I know how the public may come across looking at him as being loud, mm -hmm. um, cocky, arrogant. Mm -hmm. But you get to know him personally, He's not that 24-7. Right. He's coming across as 
what he's known for doing, being on the air and doing his show. Right. Away from that, now he still got his sixth son, where he going to fill you out and see how far they take you. But he using that mind so well to strategize everything he does. Right. Awesome. Which is why the youth still love him on Hot 97. Right. He come across them where they embrace him. I know a lot of people say, I want the old flex. I want the old flex. He may give it to you, but in order for him to keep going, he going to give the new to the audience that still lock in with him. Mm -hmm. Because if you stick to the same old, old, you limit yourself. And you only go mm -hmm. so far. Right. If I didn't take the initiative from ever to ever, generation to generation, to you know, grab to the next agenda, next whatever it is, I would have been left back myself. Mm. So that's what you got to do. Awesome. Well, speaking of next generations, and uh, you know, I'm you know, listening to this conversation, I know there's millions of rappers that came to you with records and you was like, ah, that's not it. You know, Mech likes to do that shit too. Um, A lot. Being that your son is an artist, how many of his records do you be like, eh, that ain't the one? <laughs> no, he already know. I'll be hard on him. Yeah, he's yeah. hard on me. I don't, I don't. I'll be hard on him because I look at it this way. I, I, I was hard on my nephew making them. Right. You know, I don't treat you no different. Right. You know, if I can draw you back to the drawing board, you know, that's good. If you feel you believe in it, okay, I'm going to let you rock out. Right. Now I wish you all the best. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what it is. Right. You, my son, you got to be good. Yeah. You can't be out here standing up the thing, name. Yeah, picture, yeah. Another thing very important, I let him be more becoming to his own. Mm. Not under my shadow. Mm. Right. Where people feel, well, you know, you only got through the door because who right. you are to. Uh -uh. Right. He carries his own. Right. No. Was if you find out who he is to me, I guess I, right, now, then, right now. Right now. Don't worry, you got like two more weeks. You got like two more weeks. Do what you can do with that two weeks. You good. But right, thank you. Yeah. You accept him for who he is, not who he is a part of. Right. And I and I respect that. The Denzel's son did the same thing. Oh, bro. Yeah. Um people didn't know. Yeah. Matter of oh, fact, oh, 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 did you hear uh, about Idris Elba's daughter? Yeah, I did. That, you heard about yeah, that, Math? She she was trying to get a part in a movie that he was in. Oh, yeah, and they, they shut it down. Yeah, and she was mad because he was like, you didn't fight for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But and I'm like, huh? But you, it's a delicate. That's the, that's the, that's the total opposite, years? though. Yeah. Okay. yeah oh, that's there's, nice, there's, but... um, no, even closer to home than that, Coast mm. Contra. Oh. They related to someone? To what? 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 Ras Cass. What's, what's, what's one of them's name? Ras Austin. Ras oh, Austin. Wow. Yeah. I forgot oh, to tell you. Ras wow. Cass. That's yeah. their son. You hear about Ras Cass? That's the people that was at the table rapping. They got the 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 two twins. The two twins. Yeah, that's, yeah, the yeah. Two twins? that's awesome. Yeah. They that's was awesome. killing it. Yeah, I was, I, I, was, but, I, was, yo, I But yelled. I brought up Denzel's son and said he, he changed he changed his name so you wouldn't know it was him. Mm. Like he was Denzel's son until And now we got, come on, let's face it. When you uh under somebody as a family member, it's all so much big, high expectation upon. That's a lot of pressure on you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask. No, it was a lot of pressure. I mean, my first 
See, my, I, I tell this story pretty often. This is the best platform I ever got to tell this story, so I'm gonna tell this story. 9-11 mm -hmm. um, happened when I was in high school, my first week of high school. Right. And like, your first week of high school was like, yeah, identity, like I'm making my name for myself. Right. I'm gonna be known as me. And I knew I could rap a little bit, but I wasn't trying to be a rapper. But 9-11, he came to get me. He came to get me from school. That's when I noticed, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this music thing because after that, my name was Little Red. I walked past classrooms. I heard yeah from out of other people's classrooms. Yo, I was playing. Yo, I was I was in basketball tournaments. They used to use red. I, one tournament I played in the East Side together. We chilled. They called me a. Uh, Cold blue, like it just was a lot of red alert right. stuff. Yeah. So cold honestly, blue, cold blue. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I used to get a lot of like little red, red alert. Then I used to get the wave of the rappers that used to tell me, "Yo, can you let your dad hear my music? Can you let your dad hear my music?" Right. And at first it seemed kind of cool because it was the good seniors, the older dudes. But it got weird when the first time when I realized. Oh, he don't just say every song is good. He says songs is whack. Yeah. And How am I gonna go, go back, back to, to school. school to these older dudes and tell them? <laughs> Pop said you trash, dog. So what happened is when I knew I could rap, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna keep the rap thing to me because they can't wait to say I ain't, I ain't not right. right. You know what I mean? So I was, I, I love, I, I had a real dope hip hop entry in my high school. My high school was very like, I went to FDA. We had a recording studio. In the, in the high school, shout out to Dr. Hodge. I mean, he was a dope dude as far as bringing in our influencement of hip hop. Yeah. Um, and we had one of them lunch rooms where the, somebody was doing a beat, a cypher was happening. Oh yeah, that's Back right. like father like happening. son, the lunch room. So you know what I mean? So that was my first battle in the lunch So that stuff left me, made me kind of like shy away even though I kept writing. I used to write a lot of rhymes. Mm -hmm. But when I got in, when I started actually recording my music after high school and I started letting them hear my music, um, you know, I started how, learning how to appreciate his perception and his opinion. You know what I mean? I had to, it was a growing process. And I didn't let him hear every song because I knew you can't just come to him with every song. You right. know what I mean? You know so, what the standard is. So I knew a standard. So I made sure I took a lot of time to really make sure I was confident in self and okay with self and what, what I had to say and what, what I had to bring to music. And um, since then, he's just been an inspiration. Like he, tell, he said a little earlier, I don't know if y'all caught it, like, to this day, he still gets up in the morning, listens to new music, listens to what's out, listens to what dropped. To this day, he still talks to me, yo, you heard this album, yo, you? So that keeps me working at all times. Wow. It keeps me working so much. I'm always trying to find a way to get better. Look, before we started, I'm asking you questions about, I don't even battle rap, but I'm asking you questions because it's things I want to learn about. It's right. things that I still want to, I feel is a real, like, jewels that can go into making my artistry mm -hmm. better. Right. So I'm always, uh, a student to it, you know what I mean? And then, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm always humbled because I see a man like him that's never stopping. Like, we, I'm looking at him now, and I think every day that he continues to be a DJ, he's breaking down that whole wall of it's only a young sport. You know what yeah, I mean? I he's he's breaking that. that wall down every day yeah, that every he goes day. on the radio he station. Sets the limit a there's nobody word. that's gone that far. That's, mm -hmm. So we can say it's a young sport, but when he's done, now it's a testament. Well, no, you could actually survive in this from... He's in the yeah. almanac. He's in the right. almanac. You could do Eleven this from rings, 19 rack. to 60. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that's what keeps me motivated. And um, yeah, a big, mix, mis, a big misconception. And what, I'm glad he said this. I'm honored. Thank you for saying, like, yo, he puts his own work in. You know what I mean? A lot of my journey has been, I think if you don't know me, you might assume 
It right. came from me just going, yo, pop. You know what I mean? And I did grow up hip hop. You know what I mean? Right. For all intents and purposes. I did grow up running around a radio station. I did know, I did have the, I was fortunate enough to create relationships, but I had to cultivate them. Well, you're I had not to supposed build to hustle them. backwards. Right. Yeah, you're not supposed to hustle backwards, but yeah. I had to build them. Right. They had to, uh, these, a lot of people that have helped me throughout my career have to been willing to respect my work ethic and my Access craft. doesn't awesome. mean entry. It doesn't yeah. mean entry. Access has never meant entry. You know what I mean? You can have access of, to everything. You spoke entry of a lot of different. children that I, offsprings of hip-hop that I, I know, like, I'm cool with Square of Dougie Fresh Sons, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know Young Dirty Bastard. I know Vina Love, uh, uh, um, Capri. Kid Capri's daughter, yeah. you know what I mean? Scott LaRock Jr. is my guy, and it's crazy. I just, you just, new story, you said that he knew Scott LaRock, LaRock from playing ball. Right. I know Scott LaRock Jr. from playing ball. ball. Wow. I didn't know who he was, but I knew him from playing ball before I knew who he was. Wow, that's crazy. You know what I mean? So it's like, a lot of these people I, I know, and we kind of share a lot of the same stories. And, I mean, it's different because all of our parents have different involvements in, in the culture, but mm. for me, he keeps me working at an all-time pace, and I understand that. I'm not one of those people that looks at it like it's a young man's sport. I think, like we said, we just talked about Jim Jones. Mm -hmm. He was just doing a video just today before I came here. You know what I mean? He's right. still working to this day. Right. The wall can be broken down depending on how you much. You spoke work about you put that in. with Method Man. Method Man. Method Man Method is another person. Method's still you know what I mean? smoking anything out Joe, here, bro. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's people, get, they're giving us the blueprint. They've given us the blueprint. But think about this. The walls down every day, and when, um, when he started, he was what, fifteen? Yeah, we talking about him as a teenager. So, so as the hip hop is growing, we are talking about an art form that's only. Half a century old. Correct. It's still the youngest art form. Correct. There is so everything he's learning, it's gonna take another thirty years for another red alert to say, "All right, this guy's in his sixties and he's killing." He's gonna dudes. be an almanac, but it is gonna go. But that's gonna. Yeah, happen. but not. But we're the first. Of, yeah, to, he's the to, first yeah. of his kind. When yeah. he's done, he's all the first of, us of his the first. kind. Yeah, all of, all of us, are, we're talking about the first 50 years of hip-hop. Yeah, we're the first. 10, 100 years from now, we are all, everything we're doing yeah. is historical. Honestly, you know what I mean? If you, in retrospect, I, mean, we, I can't say retrospect because we're in the moment. But mm -hmm. if you think about 100 years from now, Everything we're doing is one of its first of its kind. You yeah, know I got to do some push ups, you know I mean? make so, sure my image is nice. For, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, no, right. We, we, we came back. Come on. Matt, I'm y'all come to the gym. They I'm not going to in, in the beginning stages, I had no idea that he was busy writing. Yeah, he didn't know. He never knew. So, what happened one day? He know he was in school up in St. Bonaventure. So, as my wife and I are together, he sent some music for us to listen to. It was an R&B song. Wow. So it was an R&B song when it comes to the rap part. We hear his voice. <laughs> <laughs> and we look at each other and we say, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. Until he opened up and he said, yo, I've been writing for a long time, but he never explained yeah. it. Yo, I used, I used to listen to like DMX and... You know what I mean? Mimicking DMX. I used right. to write a lot of shit. That I used to be like, yo, my parents see this shit, they're going to think I'm crazy. I'm not letting them, I'm not letting them see this right now. You know what I mean? And I, got to, I, got, I was blessed Growing enough to be to in the school now, and record. Now, also, before him, my older son, he's touched a little bit on the microphone, but mm -hmm. he ain't go all the way with it. Mm -hmm. You know? Now, he's the one that in the early stages, y'all probably remember, I used to always have this little voice on the radio. Mm -hmm. My daddy, this, that busy, that's my older son. Right. And, you no, know, he became 
of a, a popular person from the promos. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I got that from, from the earlier days when I was listening to the radio, the guy by the name of Ken Spiderweb, mm. he used to have his kids on the radio. Mm -hmm. So when he had his kids on his radio, I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. So that way gave me an idea when I started doing my mixes and I made promos of my older son. Mm -hmm. Because it's like saying, as a youth, you hearing somebody on the radio as well, you see them on TV, you inspired by that because you feel you, you, there's a connection. Yeah, right. mm -hmm. You know? Oh, I wish that was me on the radio. I wish I was on TV, you know? Mm -hmm. right. So that's what I do with my son. And so many different people grew up on that. Yeah. And you know, of course, my son is like tall, and I never forget this. <laughs> this is the funny part. First time Nas got to meet my son. And you know, my son Rob was looking older than his age. So I snuck him in a club, supper club. Uh -huh. So here it is. I said, yo, yo, um, Nas, where didn't you meet, you meet my son? Someone used to be on the radio. Nas took a look up on him and he say, yeah, I remember listening to Shorty. <laughs> <laughs> and he was an uncle. But he became part of my career. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, later on here, he's coming along. So I had no idea. Yeah. But I allowed them to be coming to their own. I was never the type of person, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. No, no, no. Yeah. Whatever you do, I'm going to support you, but I'm going to lay back as the father. Right. Mm -hmm. As you become into whatever you do. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea. Lastly, before that, you know, even though, like I said, he let me do my own thing, but I want to say the Jungle Brothers, I give Mike G and Av, they really took me in mm. and really kind of like, I'm proud to say I'm like the youth of the native tongue. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that means the world to me. Like, Chi Ali always takes me and put me up under his arm, dress. They bring me on stage. They let me. I perform on the main slot, my own slot. Every I've been on ciphers. I'm I'm fortunate to say I've been in ciphers with some of the dopest people that represent the native tongues, and um, they have really kind of helped groom me into uh, a professional, you know. And um, that part has been the like dopest experience. It's a, it's, it's a good feeling when instead of saying, "Yo." That's, that's Red's son. No, 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 no. No, that's G's father. So otherwise, it's like saying they identify him before me. That's G's pops. That's how things have turned I like that. You know what I mean? Because now it's showing that you identify who he is and who I am to him. Right. Instead of the way around. Yo, that's the clip right there. Yeah, yeah. That's the clip right there. That was a super alley. Yeah, and and I, I just want to close it out for them, too. I just think that's just a natural thing for the black man, because I saw Bigger bring his son here mm -hmm. to absorb it. Math has brought his, his daughters here. to the studio. Two daughters, too. I've seen, like, and to see how each kid has each of his personality, like the son that plays basketball got the coolness. The youngest daughter got all his, the, the, the personality. She's like, oh, yeah. I know all y'all. She got the aggression too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other one. When I'm taking she time, got... I look upon mm -hmm. Steph. Steph Curry. Steph. Yeah. Hmm? 
Now, here it is. We all know how his pops was nice and more. Yeah. Delk wore down. But step more into his own. And his brother, too. Right. They more into his own. Who I feel bad for if in LeBron's son come in. It's too much pressure on him. That's why the second one is getting like the second one is getting the second one. You seen the second one yet? He he can ball. Because he under the radar. Can we stop saying the second one, please? Oh, Bryce. 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 But he's the youngest. He's the younger one, right? Let them be coming to their own. Another thing. Yeah. I remember when Run from Run DMC kept on being so much on his oldest one. Mm-hmm. His oh, oldest one didn't get far. Right. But who the one that came out of nowhere? Diggy. Yeah. Diggy. Diggy, Diggy, Diggy the one that came out. You ain't paying attention to him. He was the one that was Rusty. popping. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so right. you gotta know now they're coming to their own. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea. Well, as fathers, sometimes we, we harder on the first yeah. firstborn than everybody else. The Jordan's sons ain't in the league. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan's sons ain't in the league. It was hard. I was I was in five star basketball camp a summer when his sons was in the was there. It's hard. Everybody, you didn't even see them, and everybody was talking about them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I didn't even see them in the cafeteria, and everybody was saying, "Yo, Michael Jordan's son is here." You heard he did this. You heard this. You heard last night they played. It was. I can imagine like that is probably. Listen, I was in high school, and I felt like it was too. He was too enormous for me. He said five o'clock free ride, old school at noon. When I was in school, he was on radio. When I was going home from school, he was on radio. Mm. You understand? It was right. a lot. It was a whole lot. It was nerve-wracking for me. I was a pretty, I like to think I'm a pretty confident person. But he doesn't even realize the enormity of him as DJ Red Alert was too much. That's a long shadow to step much. out. It mm. was too much. I didn't know how to start a conversation as me being a rapper and knowing that this is going to end with you knowing me, knowing I'm Red Alert, son. Because if you don't like it, or if you, let's say, you don't even give me a chance if you like me or not. You just embrace me because of Red, or you want a favor, or you want to be able to tell Red, oh, listen to your son. Like, nah, I need you to appreciate me for me first. I need mm. you to know me. I need you to accept me or not, and then we can get to the other things. Then whatever know? happens. Right. Whatever happens. Don't forget the dollar. I'm going to do that similar, too, because when I t- I'm talking about my older brother that I used to play for Rucker, and he was known. He was very popular. So when I started coming around, because, you know, my brother's nickname was Ernesto, or the Ness. Mm. So when I came around, they used to say, yo, little Ness, little Ness. Okay, cool, cool. I want to be known who I am myself. Right. <laughs> but I didn't even want to put that on both my sons. Yeah. Right. But he's you such know? a great supporter, but having someone like him is not, now not, that's to say he was, he left me alone. Because when I came to... The home, the house, we, I used to go to Atlanta, I was like, yo, I want to rap. He used to get me up. Wake up 9 o'clock, what you write? Here's a competition book. Let's go downstairs. I'm putting on beats. You're freestyling. You're not going to stop. We're taping it. You're going to study it. You're going to get better. We're going to come back. I'm going to wake you up tomorrow morning. Oh, when you with me, you're going to work. Mm-hmm. But... You know, because yeah, I mean? you can't so, be my son and be yeah, trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. now nah, he was like that. With he, just me, he just leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't leave me alone. But when we were together, if it was about work, he was gonna get on me about yeah, work. You about to get the family name cooked? You better get out here. What I do myself? Yeah, and I see what he does himself. Here it is. I could be laid back, easy, everything. I'm on that computer every day, constantly, staying abreast of everything that's going on. Keeping it tight. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't yeah. slip. Facts, yeah. Right. Well, and that's I want to thank you. Everybody. I want to thank you for your contribution to a mm-hmm. culture that drives all of us. That everybody, everyone here is here mm-hmm. because of something you help usher into the world. We appreciate you. I appreciate each right. and every one of y'all for allowing me to be on here. Thank you very much.
some business things to say. I'd like to thank you all for the block party. <laughs> feel quite at home, like part of the family. You all do it to me every time. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Salute. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Salute.